two, one. Yeehaw! Yo. My man. <laughs> <laughs> I like how we could just start the podcast. Like, yeah. just right off. Yeah, we do fuck the commercials. commercials. Last. Yeah. I noticed that yeah. like a week ago. Changed the flow of the conversation. Oh. Made it way better. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was bullshit because it was like, you know, when I really realized it was bullshit, like, uh, I did a podcast with Stan Hope and he was making fun of the commercials <laughs> while I was doing it. And I was like, why am I doing commercials in front of them? Why don't I just do that later and stitch it in? Yeah. And I was lucky where the deal that I had for commercials was really just for iTunes. And so, um, like, when I t do this, it goes on YouTube first. Yeah. So as it streams on YouTube and you stream, no need for commercials. Fuck it. So, and then I put the ads in later. Like but on iTunes and on, uh, or on YouTube, there's no commercials. You know what it changes to is the, the this podcast is most of the time anyways is about just you and your friends just talking about bullshit. Yeah. You know? You're not getting right to it's not like use the Ari, promo like code Ari J R E. Yeah. yeah, it's not like Ari just wrote a book and he's right. on here to promote it. You know exactly. what I mean? Sometimes that happens. Sometimes yeah. like Paul Stanley and stuff. No, I get a lot of those, but it's still even with them. It's like you want to you want to sit them down and go. So, uh, what's it like to write the book? What you know? How hard was it? You know, how long does it take? Like, what's yeah, the process? The conversation before the podcast starts. Mm -hmm. There's some serious conversations yeah. going on, and then instead of just starting and uh, starting the podcast on a dime and then continuing the conversation. You hit the commercials, mm -hmm. and you never get back to that conversation. A lot of the times. That's what I noticed. That's happened. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of times, like, we haven't seen each other in, like, a week or two, and we've got a bunch of crazy shit to say to each other, yeah. and you just start, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. and then by the time the podcast starts, so, what's up, man? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you learn you learn a lot about yourself, like, uh, listening to, you listen to your own podcast? I listen to the good ones. I don't at all. I can't, I can't stand listening to myself. <laughs> I have no desire to listen to myself. The only time... Is when I'm going through mastering the system, my tutorial, I do sit there and I am interested in how I'm teaching and what mm. I said and how I could have made the point clearer in my teaching. So I, I, uh, I that's the only time. But when it's a podcast and I'm not talking about jujitsu and I'm just talking about like just bullshit, Sometimes, I don't want to hear myself. <laughs> it's good to hear though, but for the same reason, like you, you realize why you're annoying to you. Like I, I've, I've found yeah. things that I, I didn't know I did, like little. Little ticks, little weird things like people do. Like a big one is saying like. People yeah. like there's like Tom Segura. I love him to death. But that motherfucker out likes me. He hurts me sometimes with the likes. <laughs> like there's like a guy way like if you got like a guy like and there's like a way like ah. Uh, did he say that or everybody he, does? And we like, all when, do. When we don't guys even know. Go, and I, and the, when when guys are telling this story, it's hilarious. Yeah. And. He's like, she came up to me and started mad dogging me, and I was like, "What the fuck you looking at? I paid for all that shit, and you didn't say none of that. You just said I was like that. I had that look on my face, right. but I didn't say shit. And if you don't question, did you actually say that? You're like, no, I was like, I was, I was thinking it. <laughs> and like, if I wouldn't have asked you, you would have made it seem like you were this bad motherfucker in this story. Saying the but right you didn't, shit. In reality, you didn't say shit. <laughs> And I was like, fuck you, who paid for that shit? Uh, you said that? I, no. No. <laughs> I thought it. Like. I thought it. And I was like, fuck <laughs> you, man. Fuck you and all and where you came from, bitch. Did you actually it, say that to him? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, I hate that I, shit. Another one that I do that I, I need to figure out how to stop doing is say I say you know. 
you know, I, I don't know. You know, it's like, you know, you know, like you're yeah. trying to form your point. You're yeah. trying to like formulate it in your mind. And now you, you know, you sympathize more with black people when they're always saying, you know what I'm saying? You're like, <laughs> we're basically doing the same thing. We're, we're just, just not saying not... sand. <laughs> exactly. So why are we making fun? You know what I mean? Everybody says, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know. Mm-hmm. They just say, no, what I'm saying. But if they stretched it out further, it would get even more ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? Word God. You know what I'm saying? Word God. If like, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Word God was like in the middle of every sentence. Dude, he, I think you started something. I think I might have started something. You know what I'm Hasht- saying? Word hashtag, God. Hashtag. Uh, what did you say? Hashtag. You know what I'm saying? Word God. Yeah, shit. Well, black guys were calling each other God for a while on the East Coast. It was a weird thing that was going on. Like I went to, uh, a, I went to see Terry Norris fight. Um, uh, at a uh, bar with a friend of mine who's a comic and his buddy. Uh, they, we, we worked together, me and this, this comic, and uh, he brought his buddy with him. And we all went to see, Terry Norris fighting tonight. Let's go. We're going to see Terry Norris fight live on whatever it was, HBO. And they, they were talking to each other. And they were talking to each other. Man, he hit him with that left hook, God. You see that jab, God? You see that head movement, God? And I was like, whoa, what are they doing? Like, is this a, like, you know, I'm, I'm white, obviously. So I'm like, what the, am I, am I missed a meeting? Like, this, is, this seems to be a new thing. And then I remember shaking my head going, this will not last. You guys, you're going to feel silly for calling each other God in a couple of years. Yeah. You can't just do, this is. F- or maybe, you know what? <laughs> a lot of people are trying to come up with their own shit and try yeah. to make it stick. You know, some, oh, but some that was ends all... up panning out, some doesn't. But people are, they're trying. That guys was a are... big one, though. Yeah. That was everywhere. It wasn't like these guys, it was their shit. Mm-hmm. It was like, b- black guys were doing that all throughout the East Coast yeah. in the 90s. It's very uh, <laughs> prestigious to have your, your a saying you made up blow up. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's one, in, you know, people always say, holler at me, holler mm-hmm. at me. Yeah. Uh, this guy, uh, uh, Rico Santana, he started scream at me. He was pushing that. Scream at me. Scream at me. And uh, I'm not sure if it stuck. <laughs> Never heard it. When did he do this? How long ago? Uh, five years ago. Yeah, dudes will try their own shit. Hashtag scream at me. Yeah, you don't. You want someone to holler at you, but holler is, what's up? You know, that's not scream at you implies like they're angry at you. You're like you're setting yourself up I for like danger. It. I like it. Scream at me. Scream at me, bitch. Scream at me. Ah! Hey, but you say it like in a sexy voice. Oh, voice, okay. Right? Like you tell a chick. Mm, scream. That at chick's me. gonna stop calling you. Scream She's at gonna me. run away. She's not, not gonna respond to your text. I don't know. She's gonna be like, this fucking know. dude's crazy. Come on. Can you imagine that? Instead scream of call at me. me. Call me later. Scream at me. I bet if you said it like that, <laughs> well, you're a funny guy. So if you said it like that, it would probably work because she would Fuck she would yeah. start laughing. <laughs> Yo, scream at me. <laughs> be like, uh, uh, when? Listen, you like to die, silly bitch. I'll scream at you later. <laughs> exactly. There you go. That's exactly. it. Oh, that's it's gonna work for uh, women. How yeah. the fuck did those ticks, like little things like that, like you know, what I'm saying, you know, it's like, like where are those coming from? And then they're basically like complicated versions of uh, even fucking. Like a lot of times, people oh, use fucking, fucking, was, yeah. it's fucking guys is fucking oh, same yeah. thing. Oh. It's all their their elongated versions. But oh, fucking's I, the I worst, do, right? I do that a lot too. I, do. I used to. When you're younger, you do that more, and you're I, nervous. Nervous. There's a lot of fuckings. You're yeah. Nervous. Like fuck, man. And then I was like fucking, and he was like fucking, and I don't give a fuck. And I was like fucking fuck that dude. Uh, when I was doing stand up in Boston, they they had a thing they used to call the fuck meter. They were saying like, if you're gonna go do stand up, they would say Eddie. Don't break the fuck meter. Like when you use them, they should mean something. And they were they were yeah. so right. It taught yeah. me so much because when I see a guy who says fuck too much, I know that guy's nervous. 
You know, if he starts fucking, fucking, I'm walking down the fucking street and this fucking chick is fucking, it's like you're off. There's something off. You're, you're, you're using one word too many times, no matter what word it is. And if it happens to be fucking, like you're trying to sound like you're together, you're trying to sound like you're upset, but you're not really, or if you're, if you are upset, you need to collect your thoughts, you know? And that's what you hear that when you listen to a podcast, whereas you, you just like, most of the time you're just talking, you don't. You don't remember how you said it. You just don't. Very little, very rarely, unless something really crazy happens, you know? How often do you really remember how you said things? What's so funny? No, I'm just thinking, uh, man. <laughs> I better not say it. It's something that I, I probably should not talk about, but it's funny to me, but it's not podcast material. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. The one thing that I... Damn it, Eddie Bravo. Well, to, to write that thing, down, Jamie. The, the beginning, there's not a chance in hell you're going to remember what we talked about either. That's the let worst. Me, let me, maybe I will write it in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, notes are huge. God damn it. Do you use oh, notes when you do your... Uh, I use notes for every motherfucking thing. Do you thing. do them for seminars? or for do you d- everything. Really? All my notes. I, every, On your phone, you everything. mean? Everything. Do you transcribe it? All my shit. Do you do, do the voice transcription thing? No, That's, I Oh, it's so good, dude. So yeah. good. So accurate. It's incredible. Yeah. I use it all the time. Like, if I'm in my car and I got an idea, I used to get panicky. I'd be like, fuck, I got to pull over. And I'd start coming up with reasons to say the idea over and over and over again so that I didn't forget it. Mm-hmm. Now, I just grab that phone, hit that button, and go, blah, 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 blah. Put it down, I'm gone. Yeah, I use it for jujitsu a lot, for teaching. There's so much shit to master in jujitsu. It's so vast. It seems like it's getting so crazier much. too with the advent. Like the, the more attention that people are putting on leg locks these days, yeah, yeah. it seems like I'm watching jujitsu. I'm like, man, I'm not. I'm, you know, I, I see transitions on the ground that I understand, but when I see some leg lock transitions, I'm like, I have no idea where these guys are going. Yeah, I just see scrambles. I'm not sure. I'd have to watch that again and again and again mm-hmm. to see how he set that up. Yeah, you just got to get it broken down to you in in a system. Mm-hmm. Once it's just like the rubber guard, because you would have you have. Fifth degree, sixth degree, eighth degree black belts out there in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and they never really looked into uh, the rubber guard at all. And they mm-hmm. think they think, oh, they just throwing their legs up and they're grabbing their leg, and then there's an armbar or a triangle, and the guys slip out, and then they're just grabbing their ankles. They don't realize how precise and microscopic it is. And uh, that's what I used to think of leg locks. I mm-hmm. thought leg locks where you just jump on legs. I'm a black belt, and I'm still thinking this until about a year ago. I thought dudes just jumping on. You get that outside one, or you get that inside one. I was pretty good at a heel hook coming off being mounted, uh, but I didn't spend a lot of time with heel hooks. It just seemed like, ooh, I don't want to get my, uh, you know, MMA fighters. I want to set a uh, good MMA example because I'm not going to be the one going in the cage. So if I'm trying to teach them this shit, I better be doing this shit. So, so I thought it's not a good idea to to always go for leg locks. If, if you're going to do MMA, it's, uh, it's a great like second or third option, last resort. Nothing's working. You can't take the guy down. You tried and maybe you almost got him down. You almost passed the guard. The guy's a beast. It's not working. Nothing's working. He's throwing you around. Nothing's working. It's a third round. You might tell this guy, if, if this guy in the gym was really good at leg locks, this is where you tell him, let's fucking go after his legs because uh, the chokes aren't working. We're not getting anywhere near his neck. You got one more round. Thank God that you could actually pull this off because you're really good at leg locks. 
That's that's what I. It was think. like a last ditch effort. Yeah, last resort. If shit ain't work, if because it's risky, they could yeah. work, but if they don't work, you're and on the, guys, the bottom. You're gonna get Alan Belchard. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And uh, the uh, the best leg locker in the game right now is Eddie Cummings. He uh, he's an EBI 145 champion. He. He's, he's incredible. Uh, he's incredible. He's like the Marcelo Garcia of leg locks. This and when you say um, Alan Belcher, we should explain what you mean. Like when he fought Paul Harris, Paul Harris is like the best leg locker in MMA. Alan Belcher thought long and hard about this and worked a lot on the strategy and did a lot of leg lock defense. He brought in, he flew in, he, he trains in Tennessee, Alabama. Right. Oh, is it Alabama? God, Biloxi, Mississippi. All right, he's got his gym there. I forget. I forget. One of those places down there. to we? <laughs> <laughs> but he flew in Dean Lister for that fight and Davi Ramos, who just won Abu Dhabi. That guy's an animal. I saw that flying armbar. Yeah, that, that guy's an. That guy's the a new, a new, the new star in town. Yeah, is Davi a, Ramos. He's but badass. Alan Belcher, three years ago or two years ago, whenever that fight was, it was probably at least three years ago when that happened. When his fight with Rusamar Paharis, he flew both of them in, and he was already known as a really good leg locker and uh, yoked and shit. He looks like a mini little Paharis, a little smaller. And Alan Belcher said Dean Lister and Davi Ramos just wrecked him with legs for a month straight. Just Jesus. wrecked him. And he just forced him, forced him to learn little by little. You find your safe spots, you figure out where you're safe. And maybe you're not getting out or escaping, but let's figure out where we could stay safe. And then we'll think about the escape later, you know? Right. That's how it all starts. And then you get really good at, boom, at staying at that safe, just going right through that safe zone and right to the escapes because, you know, you've done it so much the slow way. Then it starts blending little by little, boom. Uh, But anyways, uh, Alan Belcher eventually... Learned how to deal with leg locks. Amazingly. Yeah. And then he proved it in the octagon in the UFC against the scariest leg lock guy out there. Still, to this day, still the scariest leg lock guy out there. And Paul Harris had many shots at Allen's leg. He would escape. And then Rusamar Paris has this elaborate system. He knows exactly what he's doing. It's, it's, you have to spend a lot of time there and really analyze the possibilities and all the angles when you're attacking legs it really is an entirely different system just legs yeah. but we're also learning that it's not a be all end all especially in MMA Paul Harris has been jacked a couple of times and even the best guy right now Eddie Cummings when he goes in and he competes he's tapping everybody with heel hooks but he needs two or three tries at those legs guys going to defend the first time it's always the same as matches he'll get guys really quick too 30 seconds, 12 seconds, boom, he just jumps on legs and he's like, dudes are like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. You know, he has, but generally against the top guy, the guy's gonna pull out of his shit like two or three times. Eddie might just let him, let him think that, oh look, I can't control him. And then just setting him up, just playing with him, letting him go and then coming back, just knowing that he's gonna get those legs eventually. Mm-hmm. Just, Wearing you out even. Yes. And then, but in <laughs> MMA, Man, you got to go in there. It better work that first fucking time. Because yeah. if that guy finds a little safe zone and he has a safe zone where he could punch you, mm. it could be lights out. Yeah. Risky, very dangerous. So, uh, regardless of uh, how sophisticated and awesome leg locks are overall right now and grappling, still in MMA, they're still dangerous. But uh, it's, v- it's a very important ha- secret weapon when. You know, the safe, safer stuff, like 
you know, taking him down and passing his guard and mounting him and getting his back and nice and safe. You're not going to reverse shit on me. I'm going to, you can't punch me. You can't punch me. I'm all over you. Boom, bam, bam, nice and safe and dominating. You know, it's always a, a better idea to try to do that first. If you can do that, why would you give him a chance at your face while you're going for leg locks? Right. You might get it, but you're giving him a shot. Man, all he's got to do is be a little bit good at de defending a little bit, defend that shit. He's used to it. Bam, bam, done. If, especially if you got a guy. You remember that Crow Cop Gonzaga fight, the last one, where Crow Cop was on top of Gonzaga and blasting him with elbows? And yes. You, you saw yes. what happens when you get a scary, scary striker like Crow Cop on top of you and you're not controlling his posture. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you can't forget that kind of shit. Can't forget that because Krokop might be the only guy we've seen do it like that, do it that quickly and devastatingly. But that means it's possible. Like you, just because you're in someone's guard, that shit isn't safe. You know, like Tito did never. And Tito never had the kind of um, the kind of speed and precision as a striker that Krokop has. So Krokop's elbows, even his short elbows, are just so devastating. Mm -hmm. But Tito used to fuck guys up from inside their guard. Mm -hmm. He didn't never bothered passing people's guard. It's like good luck holding on to me. Boom, and he would just jack guys from that position. And the best ever was Uriah Faber. Mm -hmm. Nobody threw elbows better than him because he was so small and his opponent was so small. He could lie, lay and pray in someone's full guard. Lay and pray, lay on him. Just because top guys got a clinch too. Bottom mm -hmm. guys throwing elbows. Bottom guy could punch. So you're, you know, if you're in, in uh, someone's guard, you're in some danger with strikes too and submissions if the guy knows what he's doing. But he would pick dudes up. He'd be land prey, but then he would like spring up like he's doing some kind of like back extension. He'd pick them up and then slam them on the ground, followed by an elder, like a rhythm. Papa, papa. He'd lift them up. Papa. He'd lift them up. Papa. It was a fucking amazing rhythm. That was and the then, king of the cage days, right? No, that was WEC days. Oh, was it? That was before the UFC bought mm. the WEC. This was back when it was in Was that in Lima, Santa Barbara, California? Yeah. Some, Somewhere in San Luis Obispo or some yeah, shit. Yeah, it's way up north, right? Yeah, and he used to fuck people up like that. But wow. then he learned how to pass the guard, and he got really good at jiu-jitsu. So, so instead of staying there, he thought, even this guy with the most devastating ground and pound, you don't see it anymore because he's going to try to pass the guard and mount you and take your back and choke you. He knows the way now. His guillotines, know. too. Is, he, when he gets a hold of dudes' necks, he's so nasty. Yeah. His guillotines are just so tight and quick. When you think of someone... <clears throat> uh, you think of, you try to think of a UFC fighter who's known who's known for a special submission that like you like Ronda you're like armbar Ronda armbar bam Paul you know what I mean bam there's only a few guys right. that that you see the submission right next to him you know, right when someone mm -hmm. talks about him and Uriah Faber he's got that guillotine. little that little special guillotine he does there's so many different ways to guillotine uh, necks so many different ways and the way that uh, um. Uriah Faber does it. I'm I'm not even good at that way. I never even get in that position. I never find myself in that one. It's like a whole beautiful little path and just a dangerous choke. I really got to sit down and look into it. Really, now that I'm thinking about it and talking about, it, I'm like, what am I doing? I got to. There's just so much to do. That was the beginning of this yeah. conversation. Yeah. There's so much to teach. I have to write shit in my notes. Boom! I brought it back. That's the one thing <laughs> that I hate listening to myself talk. Is because I'll have. 
like a story I want to say, but then I think, okay, let me set it up. So when I'm listening to my shit, I used to listen to my podcast and I see it and I'm dissecting like what I do. I'm like, I'm trying to make a point, but I never get to the point because I go so far back to right. set it up that by the time <laughs> I get to the point, I already thought of another story and I'm going way over here. And uh, That's it's called it's, weed. Yes. Yes, I hate that about me, shit. So when I hear myself do it, I go, there I go. Start, I'm talking about something else. Never even finished the fucking point. I had a good point, too. And I just forgot about it. I never got to it. It's, we all do that. It's, I, it's when you get high. I digress so much. Yeah. Well, and then it becomes a game. Like, let's try to figure out where this all started. We're trying to backtrack. Boom, boom, boom. And we then, do the exact same thing. Yeah. I do it all the time on this podcast. If we get high... <laughs> It just goes on its own. You know, it's like you you got to accept. Maybe we should let people know before the podcast. This is a marijuana-induced podcast. Some of them are sober. This one is not. So there you go. If, you, if you're, if you like, going, what the fuck are they talking about? Well, that. There's that, too. <sighs> weed. Weed decides what you want to yeah. talk about. Yeah. And now you got Ryan Hall, man. That's a Now we got a little dude who's mm. coming in with a, a Husamar Pahar's type threat to the legs as well mm -hmm. how good is he gonna do and you know what his stand up it looks like his foot works together he looks like he's got you know decent, Calm, like decent striking it looks yep. like he knows how to move on his feet and uh, he's been at TriStar so you know he's working his wrestling all the goddamn time mm -hmm. is his wrestling gonna be good enough to take anybody down in the top 10 I well, mean, what is he weighing what is he competing at? What toy cost? 145 he's gonna stay there or is he gonna go to 35 I'm not sure I'm not sure a lot of guys they do tough at a weight class above, I think, because if you're going to make the extreme weight cut that a lot of guys make, you're going to need six to eight weeks. Whereas if you're on tough, you got to do it multiple times over the course of six weeks. And for a lot of dudes, like almost everybody started out a higher weight class. Like, yeah. you know, Michael Bisping, even though he competed at 205 and beat a lot of guys at 205, he fought on the Ultimate Fighter 205. 185 is a better weight class for him. Yeah. Same with Kelvin. Kelvin won it at 185, but he's better at 170. Yeah. You know? It's almost like if you're going to do the Ultimate Fighter, you do your walk-around weight. Mm -hmm. Do your, like if you had to do mm -hmm. something same-day weigh-in, do that weight. That's always the next weight category. Yeah. Unless you want to get super crazy. Some guys just say, fuck it, same-day weigh-in, I'm still going to cut like a motherfucker. I just think when you're on that show and you're going to do that several times over six weeks, and then on top of that, it's the nerves and all the TV cameras, your first yeah. experience, you're better off just not being not doing anything that's gonna yeah. drain you he might go to 35 i mean i i mean how does he look at 45 he's Do kind it. of like a skinny wiry guy at 45 right now so far in the house i think he has he had one fight and he had a fight to get in uh so far with just those two fights he's already world-renowned leg lock master you mm -hmm. know uriah on the show you watch the show though i haven't seen the season at all dude Come on. T I got it recorded. I watched tough, it all. I'm, I'm a binge watcher. Tough with Conor McGregor? Holy motherfucking shit. How good You're is gonna it? You're going to put, it's the best ever. Are you kidding? <laughs> it's the best motherfucking tough of all time. That's the best one. How are you going to get better than Conor McGregor on your goddamn TV show? That a fight show? Oh, man, he gets under Uriah's skin. Oh, he starts a lot of shit, man. He's the ultimate shit talker, Isn't man. Isn't it fucked up that he Dude. called T.J. Dillashaw a snake in the grass Dude, and then Dillashaw wound up leaving? 
That's crazy. That's yeah. some prophet shit. That's some old yeah. Celtic he warrior just calling prophet out, shit. McGregor just calling it like, if, <laughs> he just figures if he just calls it like he sees it, yeah. you know, no filter, just call it like you see it. Don't hold it in. Just no editing. Just well, let it all he's, out. He's from Dublin. Like, they yeah. they talk mad shit over there, dude. It's a, <laughs> it's a totally different, like, style of shit talking. You know the ultimate? The ultimate tough would be Chael coaching one team and McConnor coaching another team. And their weight, their different weight classes, like... Chael could walk around at 230, you yeah. know, if he's not fighting. He's way bigger than Connor. So, but Connor is so alpha, he's not gonna, like, Chael's gonna, like, like big brother him and go, oh, mm-hmm. come on. At first, like, come on, come on, you're too small for me. Chael would find a workaround. You know what Chael, I mean? Chael would figure out an unorthodox approach to dealing yes. with Connor. No, he would, he would deal like, like yeah. listen, you're, you're 160 pounds. You're 160 you're pounds. You're a cute fella. You're, you're, and then, <laughs> you're but Connor's adorable. not going to take that. Right. Connor's not going to sit there and be the little 160 pound, you know, uh, tiny little fighter to Chael. He's not going to big brother him. I think he's bigger than 160. I really do. He's like 170 or whatever. Which is crazy that he fights at 145. Think about the shit talking between them two. Pretty Holy incredible. Sh- but you'd have to get Chael off of his suspension. He's got a two-year suspension. And then, and then Connor right? would have to agree to fight him at a catch weight. It'll end no. up being Connor will go. Let's meet at 180. If you can get down to 180, 185. He can't get down to 180. <laughs> or maybe Connor just says, "Fuck it, we're gonna fight free weight." <laughs> no. Absolute bitch. <laughs> well, I mean, Connor and Uriah aren't fighting. I mean, it, the show's hilarious, and they're not fighting. The coaches don't need to compete against each other at the end yeah. for it to be good. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They don't need that. No. That would just happen because of Connor. Connor wouldn't be able to take it. Connor would call him out and say, "Let's do this shit." You know, what would be interesting. It would <laughs> be interesting weight. to see someone uh, coach on, uh, opposite of Ronda, like a dude, a dude coach opposite of Ronda. Con- Connor and Ronda. <laughs> dude, <laughs> dude, Connor and Jesus Ronda. Christ. That would crush the ratings. Dude, that would break the fucking. That would break it. That yeah. would be the greatest ratings of all time. <laughs> There would be no greater. Connor and Rhonda together on a show. And what if they wound up having an affair? Oh. It'd be giant news. Dana probably would probably pull them aside, give him some ecstasy. Say, listen, Dude. you guys want to make you want to make a lot of money? Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> that would be like would Brad be Pitt giant. and Angelina Jolie yeah. of MMA. The, right there, Pitt, right? Yeah, them fucking yeah, them <laughs> eloping together. It'd be so similar. That's hilarious. It would be the exact same thing. It would be the exact same motherfucking thing. He's the real fight club, and she's the number one chick on the planet who's, who has more power than Angelina Jolie. She can go to any goddamn country easily. She wants to go, go meet the president of fucking Uganda. Oh, she yeah. can make that happen. Oh, he's yeah. going to fuck yeah. Are you kidding? <laughs> fuck, he's going he's gonna to send a private jet for her. Well, she's become like an ambassador for like, it's not just She like, can get into anybody's yeah. house. Yeah, she's not just uh, an actress. Yeah. She does so much humanitarian work. She adopts so many kids. Isn't isn't that awesome? It's amazing what they do. I mean, a lot of people trivial, trivialize it because we always have suspect motives. We always suspect like, oh, they're just doing it for the publicity. Oh, they're just she's just fucking crazy. But at the end of the day, she's adopting a bunch of people and spending a bunch of time working to help all these sick, needy, and poor people. I mean, she does some pretty incredible shit, man. That's a lot of positive yeah. energy. I I mean, it's a. Uh... It's probably why her she's had the the most amazing career ever. I mean, she's hot and everything, but there's a lot of hot chicks out there. She's she remains she's, relevant because yes. of all that philanthropy. It seems work. like she wouldn't be 
she wouldn't be doing all that she's doing if she didn't appreciate life way more than the average person. So she's living in a state of appreciation so much. She's yeah. wanting to give back so much and change the world. She's so into it. And that's just like a overproduction of appreciation. Mm. And then look at her career. Anything yeah. she comes out with, she's she's. A list all the way through. Not only that, even if her movies suck, people just forget about them. Yeah. They just don't talk about them anymore. Yeah. It's not like Angelina Jolie sucks. But if they, they were going to do like uh, Alien Six with Angelina Jolie, you'd be like, "Oh shit, Angelina yeah. Jolie's going to be in the Alien movie." Yeah. Like you would never think, like, "Oh, this is how bad the cast is." Gonna She's get done in. like that uh, Cinderella type movie. It's kind of like a Disney super animated, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cruella, right? Something she like that. The, yeah, I don't know how big that was. Maybe that did that like a hundred million or something. It was big. It was, was big it? for kids. Yeah, perfect for her. Yeah, she could do anything. I, I mean, yeah. like movie star wise, she, any any role that she really wants to pursue, she could do for yeah. now. You know, as she gets into her forties, it'll be harder and harder. Yeah, that's what yeah. it is for those women, like those Meryl Streep type women who were just smashing it in the 80s, just killing it. She's such a good actress. God damn, she's good. She's so believable. It's just so... But as they get, like, in their 50s and in their 60s, it's hard to find roles. There's not a lot of movies made about 60-year-old ladies. Yeah. You know? Like, so you have, like, a support role that may or may not be juicy. It might be boring. Might not Someone's be mom. Once mm -hmm. you start playing the moms. Well, that was one of the things that Robin Williams was saying. Rob Williams was saying before he died that it was really getting really hard for him because... The only things that he was being offered that were interesting at all were like scale, or sometimes not even scale. Like you have to do it for free. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like wow, projects. I thought he was still huge. He was, he was. But the things that he found interesting, mm -hmm. he would do these movies that were just—they didn't have any money, they didn't have any budget. But those were the interesting. Like, did you ever see that twenty-four hour film, twenty-four hour photo? What was it called? I think it was called 24 Hour Photo or something like that. He played a psycho, like a real psycho that like starts oh, stalking I heard about his family. That. Yeah. Was, was that his last fucking Was good. that his last film? No, 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 no. That was a few years ago. But he started getting interested in doing these like small independent films like mm -hmm. that. And you know, they would offer him like a piece of the back end or mm -hmm. something like that probably. But he had a huge nut. He had a giant ass house up in like Northern California. One hour photo. That's what it was. Dude, he was so good in that movie. God damn it. You would never believe... That he's a hilarious. You never believe that the same guy from Mork and Mindy would be this fucking creeper in one hour photo. He was awesome in it. But um, my point being, he had um a, like a estate in Northern California that was worth like twenty million bucks. He had like all these bills. He had like, so crazy mad do, bills. So following his heart with these roles crushed him. No, 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 no. He had some serious physical issues. You know, he committed suicide for whatever reason. Only he knows, but there was a lot going on. He had Parkinson's disease. He he had some sort of dementia that apparently was coming on. Um, his his mind wasn't functioning very well. Mm. His body was failing. He had a massive heart attack. Mm. He had a massive heart attack, and then in going through uh, heart surgery, uh, Dr. Mark Gordon, you met Dr. Gordon, right? Mm. You met that guy? Uh, I don't know. Uh, he's the one that does all the work with traumatic brain injury mm. patients. And he said that when people go through any type of a giant surgery like that, like heart surgery, where you have to be under for a long period of time, a lot of times your hormonal system is devastated after that. Your, your body's like really fucked up. And it can send you into a depression. Like the recovery from a major like heart surgery like what what he, what he had done is apparently like it's a devastating thing on your body it takes a long time to recover from and in that recovery process 
he thinks that a lot of patients suffer from massive depression. And there's like a correlation between suicide attempts post uh, surgery that he thinks possibly could be attributed to mm. this devastating effect that being under for a long period of times and then the trauma of the surgery can have on you. So he had a lot going that was wrong before yeah. he killed himself. Yeah, all the energy, this is just me guessing. This mm -hmm. is like bro biology, uh -oh. but I'm guessing. <laughs> When you're going through something like that and you're about to die and going through some major surgery, your body's like, we're not thinking about being happy at all right now. We're thinking about being alive. So it stops all serotonin production just to keep you alive. And when you recover, your shit is so depleted that maybe that's why you're depressed. That's it me guessing. Be. It could be. It it's also could just be a, it's a massive strain on the system. You know, it's uh, one of the reasons why they would prescribe steroids after surgery is they would prescribe it, especially to athletes, when they get injured, not just to make them recover quickly, but because during that recovery process, your body is very weak. Like, when, you're, when you have some major shit going on with your body, you have some major shit fixed, like for the X amount of weeks afterwards, depending upon how uh, old you are and how healthy you are, you feel wrecked. You just feel wrecked. You're just like, oh, because your body's like, danger, danger, resources. Dude, we got screws in our fucking knee. We have, uh, uh, there's an incision, there's stitches, there's screws in the patella and in the bottom. This is crazy. He cut off a piece of our uh, patella tendon and stuffed it inside where the ACL used to be. There's no ACL, all this inflammation. Like, your body's on just, like, crash alert. Your body knows something, some pretty devastating Severe shit has happened to it. So uh, I think depending upon how healthy you are, it's it can be uh, rough times afterwards. And I think for an older dude like him who already has these physical issues, I don't know if Parkinson's happened before or if he had had the symptoms. How appeared. did he kill himself again? He hung himself. Damn. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, man. Is that a uh, common a quick way to go no. in suicide? People do that; they want to suffer a little bit. They do if they don't want to shoot themselves, or they don't, or they don't want to suffer from pills. You know, there's only a few ways to go. Hmm. Um, California actually just passed a law for assisted suicide, which is going to be interesting. I don't know the particular details of the law, but uh, when people are terminally ill, like if you're dying of cancer or something like that, and you're just in agony every day. Um, now, finally, you can end your own life, and you can have doctor-assisted suicide. You know, they've been doing it to people, uh, either on the sneak tip, or you people have had to go to states where it's legal. Like, I believe it's legal in Oregon. Mm. <sighs> but now it's going to be legal here, too. Yeah. It's amazing that you can't, you, you have to... Eventually, everyone has to think about shit like people that. People put their dog down, okay? Your dog's in agony, you put your dog down. But not grandpa. Grandpa's got to suffer. Grandpa's got to just keep shitting his pants and throwing up and falling down and breaking all his bones and then stitch him back together again and give him some pills. And if Grandpa was a dog, you would have put Grandpa out a long time ago. You know, if Grandpa says, look, I'm ready to go, you bring in the doctor. The doctor, are you of sound mind? Yes. Well, I'm, you know, I'm 95 years old. I've had a great life. I have a wonderful family around. I'd like to be around when I pass. And that's it. And you go, which is probably a good way to go, man. It's probably a good way to go. I think um, the idea that you're supposed to suffer and make it to the end because it's natural, well, that, that's not how we treat our cats. You know, if your cat is in fucking agony, man, you put your cat down. If your dog gets hit by a car and he's not going to make it and he's just howling, you put your dog down. This idea that people have to make it to some fucking finish line. Mm. Darkness. It is dark.
Yeah. Darkness. <laughs> Embrace that darkness. Um, the dar- the darkness something makes happy. you appreciate the light. You know? <laughs> that kind of shit that makes you appreciate the light. Yeah, man. It's like we're all going to have to deal with that sooner or later or you die early you know <clears throat> one of the one or the other you're gonna go through that old age in the hospital falling apart people taking care of you everybody's gonna go through that or you're gonna die before that yeah one or the other uh, my friend from boston just died my uh, boss when i was starting out doing stand-up comedy i stayed friends with him from uh for the past 26 years his, his name's dave dolan he was a private investigator and he uh he needed a um needed a driver because he lost his license with a DUI <laughs> and he said fuck it I'm quitting drinking that's it but I need a driver because he still had to work so we put an ad out in the want ads for a uh, private investigator's assistant and I uh, answered the ad and I met this dude and he was fucking hilarious it was mostly insurance cases occasionally it would be like a guy who thinks his wife's cheating on him but most of it was insurance cases where people would pretend to be injured and they would get a, they would get another job like working for cash under the table yeah. and you'd catch them because like the insurance company was, was paying them millions of dollars or whatever they were paying them and then they would go get another job. Probably not millions, you know. Um, maybe they were suing, whatever it was. Most of these people, they would get up early in the morning and go work other jobs. So we would just wait. So we would drive to this location, go up the street. So our car would be facing that house. And we shut the car off and wait. We get there real Just like early. the movies. Mm-hmm. Like 4 o'clock in the morning. But you're sitting there at 4 o'clock in the morning waiting for this dude to wake up. And you just start talking shit. And he would just talk shit. He was hilarious. Who would talk shit? Dave. This guy Dave. Oh, your partner. Just, yeah. He was one of the funniest people I've ever met in my life. Like, How old were you at this time? I was 21. And you were doing stand-up just, already? Just starting stand-up. I was just doing open mic nights. And I was still fighting. He was one of the last guys to see me fight. And um, he... Uh, he would just talk shit, talk shit about it. like he was one of those guys that like women could never, ever get him to change. Like it was impossible. Like there was no, there was no like, what should I do, man? She wants me to, she wants me to change. She wants me to change the way I'm dressing. She wants me to move into some new neighborhood. She wants me to quit my job and you know maybe I'm gonna convert and become Jewish. There was none of that in that dude. None from the moment I met him. He was like, fuck that. You do that. That's the beginning of the end, pal. Listen, that's how they get you. And he would always just be laughing. Like, never. I don't, I don't believe he was ever married. He might have been. But even if he was, I'm sure that chick had zero control of that guy. That guy was crazy. He was hilarious. He was a guy that was meant to be a comedian that never became a comedian. A hundred percent. He could have been a world-class comedian. He was fucking funny. And he was insightful. And his cousin actually owned the Comedy Connection. His cousin was Bill Downs, who was one of the owners of the Comedy Connection. So I didn't even know this when I started working for him. And he's asking me, you know, what do you do? And, uh, and I told him the whole deal. And he, he was like, my cousin's Billy Downs. I'm like, I do open mic nights there. He's like, no shit. And so he easily, like if he just decided to go and do it, he just never did it. He easily could have been a comedian. He was fucking hilarious. And we would do these things. We would show up at people's houses. And he would have like a list of license plates. And on one of those, one of those license plates would be the, the license plate of the person that we're looking at. Mm-hmm. The other ones would be scratched out and maybe a couple more. They'd, he'd just write a few in and get to this one. And he would say, listen, my girl was in a hit-and-run accident, and this, uh, this guy, he took off, but someone got the plate, 
and they they didn't get it all, but they got this amount of it, you know, and we, you know, and the guy was like, "Well, that definitely wasn't me." Hey, well, wow, I'm so sorry to hear that. Is she okay? I go, "Well, she's gonna be all right, but she's got a a bulging disc in her L7, which is exactly what this guy's injury was." And and the person would go, "That's crazy. I have that same injury." Oh, no kidding, huh? Well, uh, you 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 get into compensation. And the guy would go, yeah, you're getting paid? And go, oh, yeah, yeah, it's great. They're paying me. And I'm also working under another name. Like, they would just tell you. Like, this woman told us that very story. She told us she was working under her maiden name. And then she had us inside for coffee. This is how crazy people were in 1988. They have you in their fucking house for coffee. We didn't know this lady. It was two men. Two men. I mean, me, I was 21. And he, he was probably like 31, 32 at the time. And he had us in her, her fucking house and drink coffee with us. And Dave's asking her, so how do you work that? And she's telling him, you know, well, you t- I just use my maiden name. Like, so what happened to you? And he's, you- and he's tape recording it. No, no, he's just listening. Just listening. So he goes, uh, so did you get hurt? Or did you just bullshit the whole thing? She's like, oh, well, I got hurt a little bit, but I was fine a little. So I went to the doctor, and the doctor looked at me like, she gave up the whole fucking, she gave up the whole story. And then we left. I was like, God, I feel so bad. We can't rat her out. She was so nice. He goes, fuck her. She goes. She goes, fuck her. (laughs) 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 We got in the car. And I felt felt terrible because this lady was so nice and she let us in on her scam. Fuck her. She's a fucking scammer. Fuck her. (laughs) 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 He would would never, ever show any sympathy for those people that will like scam insurance. Like, that's what that was the game it was like uh i'm the sheepdog you're the coyote i'm gonna jack you it's like that cartoon where they would go, so you wouldn't follow him you would just see him walking and depends. then you'd go up to him totally depends sometimes we would actually show up at the job site we'd catch a guy like on a roof with a fucking bag of shingles on his mm-hmm. on his back and then what do you do what do you say just just find out where the guy is find out what you take photos he had a camera take photos of the guy and go look this guy's working and then, okay. and then the the what the usually would happen, I believe the way they would work it is the insurance company would threaten the person, and would say they're gonna have them arrested for forgery and for for fraud rather, and then the person would either settle or they would maybe have to pay some of the money back, and they would just the insurance company just knew they were being scammed. Yeah. And they didn't want to. Uh, Did you ever have to fuck anybody up? No, no, no. Nothing ever got ugly. Nothing even got yelly. It was day. What was, year was this? Eighty-eight. Eighty fucking eight. Yeah, Dave was like real good at talking to people. He was like, a, he was a, but he loved it. He loved the scamming people. He <sighs> loved it. He just loved it. So oh, you're getting paid though, aren't you? Like he, he would love like baiting them in and getting them to talk about it. And he would get in the car and start laughing. Ha ha ha. That fucking dummy. He gave us everything. Ha ha ha. Look at these photos. Perfect. He goes. Fuck he him. He goes. He goes. Fuck him. <laughs> How would Joey do him? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a rough. I'd have to think about that. Oh. <laughs> he was, I don't know, man. I mean, Fuck him. But he just died of cancer. He just died of cancer uh, last week. Real quick, apparently. I just I started getting some emails, messages about it. And I was like, no way. And uh, when was the last time you talked to him? Last time I was in Boston, just a few months ago, and I was I'm going back to Boston in January, and I was going to get him tickets to the fights, and I was you know, hoping to you know have some dinner with him or something, hang out with him. But we stayed friends. <sighs> we stayed friends all this time. Mm. He was a good mm. dude, man. Stayed, became you know, stayed being a private investigator. Every now and then, he would call me up with some crazy fucking story, some crazy story. One of them was this guy whose girlfriend was getting fucked by this bodybuilder. She was, uh, she was meeting this gorilla who was just, just ragdolling her, just, just fucking savage fucking her. And uh, this guy kept wanting 
to get her followed. Like the one, the guy was like a real nerdy guy, he's like a computer guy, and his girlfriend was just, just, just getting mauled all the time by this dude. And he suspected it, so he hires a private investigator. And then Dave was like, dude, I can't keep taking pictures of your girl getting fucked by this giant guy. It's starting to get creepy, okay? <laughs> so so uh, we're done here. <laughs> just, just like walk but him telling him, this guy's like, oh, go follow her tomorrow. He goes, follow her tomorrow? Are you yeah. looking at the pictures I'm looking at? Because yeah. he would like take pictures of this guy just I need more stuffing pictures. her. <laughs> Oh. He probably loved oh. those pictures. <laughs> oh, I bet he did. Well, he's probably a cuckold, you know? Like, that's what they say. That's like a whole style of porn now. It's like a, a guy, it's usually like black guys, like a white guy who's a nerd. He's like, um, yeah, sure, come on in. Like, oh, man, is your wife? Oh, shit, I don't need your wife. Who's this hot? Uh, she is my wife. Um, I'm not sure if I want you talking about her like that. Talking about her, <laughs> blah, blah, fuck her. This bitch wants my dick. Oh, she wants this dick, bitch? Like, oh, she's sucking my dick right in front of you. Uh, uh. Like, there's there's a porn whole, like that? A whole and there's style. an old man? There's always old, like, like husbands a, no, and shit? she's like a feeble guy. A feeble guy and a black guy with a fucking shit. He never pulls his dick out? Black guys? Do? No, 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 no. The guy. Black guy? I'm sure there's some of the white guys pull the dick out. Yeah. Most of the time, the, the white guy guys. getting abused. The husband never fucks? Most of Well, I'm sure there's some of the husband fucks, too. I'm sure there's some of the husband gets fucked. That would fucked. kill it. I'm sure there's some of the husband has to suck the guy's dick. Like maybe the wife fucks the hu- maybe the maybe the husband oh! has to sit there. <laughs> this is the ultimate cuckold. The husband has to sit there while this giant fucking super athlete <laughs> fucks his girl, and then when the guy comes, he comes in the husband's mouth. Oh. It's the ultimate one. It's the only time the husband hey. sucks the guy's dick. But oh. as he could get over here, get your head over here. He puts the, the guy's head right down on the wife, what the wife's stomach, while he's just fucking plowing it. And then he pulls it out and stuffs it in the dude's mouth. Right now, someone's writing this down and they're making this video. They're it like, probably we're exists. shooting it this week. Dudes on Twitter sending you links that already <laughs> exist. It's like a whole trilogy. <laughs> it's, it's, nor- probably, it's actually quite normal. It's probably a website. Oh, comeinthehusbandsmouth.com. You've never been? You don't even know that website, bro? Yeah. This, whatever you can think of, man. When, when we were first, when you were first exposed to porn, I was exposed like in high school. That's when I first found out about porn. It was all so normal. It was just the, the worst thing that would happen is two people get together and they'd have sex. That was it. Mm-hmm. That was all that ever happened. But then somewhere around the time, like we were in our... Germans. <laughs> and the Japanese. Oh, you mean shit porn. <laughs> so that's not even porn. That's just, that's just fucking weird. But even just regular porn became more about like gagging and and fucking gagging yeah girls like even when they suck dick now it's like they're they're doing it like they're trying to kill themselves is that the new thing is that the new thing i didn't know that the gagging noises is is good there's a lot of that dude you've never seen bitch gag oh there's a lot of that (laughs) it's just it seems like people got bored with the regular stuff and then it got more and more gag me later gag at me scream at me later and i'll make you gag too long. Yeah. Hashtag. Too, too long. <laughs> Hashtag scream at me later and I'll make you gag. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I was talking about this the other day with Chris Ryan that, like, porn, like, the look of a girl's vagina, like, shaved vaginas, that's the only way now. Like, there's very few bushes. Yeah. If a girl has a bush. bush these days, like, mm-hmm. she's taking a big chance. She's being very eccentric. Mm-hmm. But back then, it was all bushes. There was a point in time when I was like 22 that I actually preferred a little bush because when girls would shave it would like 
burn like it would like scafe my cock oh because you know it, what i mean because of the stubbly. stubble yeah but when they left it kind of bushy it was all nice and squishy mm, felt good better good point <laughs> <laughs> i was really into it so when a girl had a little bush i'm like damn i'd like to squish into her some girls get all crazy lasered and shit they do their legs their pussy nothing wrong with everything. that laser but, that shit but isn't that nuts man that we use like a, a light beam to we don't want hair the on them it, it, are, it, are there cultures where uh, girls with hairy legs are hot? Must be. There's got to be a couple countries. At least three. Well, how about that country in Africa? Was it Suri where they, they cut their lips and they put plates in them? Yep. And the bigger the plate, the more cattle you're worth when you get married? Yep. What? <laughs> Like, who, who's fucking? I want to know that, that story. Happen? I want a documentary yeah. on how that happened, like the evolution of that big plate on that lip. Like, when did it get cool? Who brought it up? Who is the who is the Helio Gracie yeah. of them lip fucking <laughs> plates? <laughs> who made that shit up? You know yeah. what I mean? And the, there's got to be a story. Well, I've heard speculation that the way they did it, they made the girl's lip like that so that she wouldn't be attractive to uh, slaves, to who slavers. The people that were like trying to get slaves. How did it get to that point? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> That'd be like everyone agreed on that. Like, uh, well, don't a lot of people that have like uh, a lot of like metal in their face and shit, and a lot of people have crazy piercings in their cheeks and their nose and their lips. <laughs> don't people usually say that that's a sign? Like, and this is like this is total bro psychology, right? But that that's a sign of people that have been abused. Isn't that like usually a sign of people that have had something like mm -hmm. bad happen to them? Mm -hmm. Right? Maybe Doesn't... like back in olden times before there was mental institutions, mm -hmm. like the crazy people of the village, the town, the big cities, like the like in Rome, all the crazy people. They just went out to the fucking jungle and started their own little culture, and uh, some of them are fucking nuts. <laughs> <laughs> like who thought of these stories? <laughs> How did the Romans get all the way to Africa? Did they ever make who invented it to that Africa? plate lip? Yeah, I think it was probably. It makes sense though if you look at like when you see. Okay, if you see a girl with a bunch of shit in her face, don't you immediately assume like, oh, this girl's probably molested? Don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Whether, whether or not that's fair or not. Yeah. Just just being honest. It's probably about, totally not true. It's probably totally not true, but. You assume it, right? Yeah. Automatically, we we've, we've developed a correlation between people that like, like girls with face tattoos or yeah. five eyebrow rings and a nose ring and two yeah. lip rings and a tongue ring and all. Yeah. Okay, what's going on here? There's definitely uh, the signs of abuse. Like for me, mm -hmm. growing up with long hair, that was a. Uh, I thought when I was growing up, my you know my dad was never around and my stepdad didn't give a shit. You know, uh, I thought like, that doesn't affect me. I'm too strong. I'm 12, 13. I'm 15, 16, I'm always thinking that never affected me. I didn't need no fucking dad. It was always that way. That didn't affect me. But when I look back at the pictures of my Mex big Mexican family, there's all these normal looking people. And then there's the dude like at the wedding with the long hair who's pissed off that he's there and not hanging out with his friends. <laughs> it was always me, pissed, pictures like, just like this. It was like normal for me to be like at the wedding, at the quinceanera, at the big whatever shindig, just pissed off that I'm not with my friends. and playing music and listening to Slayer and shit. Mm -hmm. Just, and I thought I wasn't affected. I was so affected. I was in, a drummer in speed metal bands writing satanic lyrics. And I thought <laughs> I wasn't affected. My hair was long. I was always in a pissed off mood. Like, oh no, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> uh, that shit, I'm too strong for that shit. <laughs> Fuck my dad. I don't need him. I didn't give a shit. But damn, he, he damaged me. Of course. There was damage right there, shit. Every kid that doesn't get paid attention to, yeah, that's a it's a core component of, of being a human being, like food, like water, 
like being out in the sun. All those things are important for the development of a human being. Attention and love from your family Mm -hmm. is what makes you a loving person. Like you Mm -hmm. become loving when you're loved. When you're not loved, you, you know, you turn inward, you get angry, you get aggressive. That's mm-hmm. what happens to people. It's natural. When you find yeah. people that are abused, they're usually, a lot of times those people wind up being abusive themselves. They lash out, you know? I wonder if that is what happened with the Surrey women, that, that they were, like, being taken as slaves. And so they just started doing fucked up shit to their face to make themselves unattractive. And they started their own little camp, and then it turned into a village, and then boom, it was a bunch of fucking crazy people. Started by like one crazy dude. He was like <laughs> the one dude who's in those 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 uh, piercing circuses. What do you call mm. those things? You know, that's like uh, piercing circuses. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking. about. You know about. those crazy yeah. weird freak yeah. shows, yeah. but yeah. with a lot of piercings and shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, like they have like a million. They're hanging from fucking yeah. like some crane. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm down with tattoos. You know that I like tattoos, but maybe not all over the face. <laughs> generally, generally you want it a little bit. You know what I mean? Like the Mike Tyson one. I like it now. Mike Tyson's a bad motherfucker. I like it. You know, and and then you know, Kat Von D got some stars and shit. A little bit and you know the neck ones are cool and all that shit too that's all but when you're hanging from a crane and you got uh these rings all around your skull and they're hanging you <laughs> jesus there's something i want to know what happened yeah because something happened yeah something happened yeah well you, maybe maybe he was, it was just like me maybe his father wasn't around and, and well just think about your your situation was bad right but you, we all know people who were, it was way worse you oh, know, yeah. like you, you got through uninjured, you know, no one was raping you. You know, there's like, you got through like relatively Absolutely. speaking. I, yeah. didn't, I never, I'm, you know, I but, wouldn't change a thing right. about my life. Nor would I, but a lot of people didn't. Right. And when you see like really fucked up people, like really crazy out there people, a lot of times that's what they're reacting to. Whatever kind of abuse it was, right. Whether it was sexual abuse, whether it was violence, whether it was abandonment, whatever it is, whatever pain and hurting, you know, made them try to st- try to become something different or try to seek out others like her or like him. You know, that's what, what people do when they form these, like, it's like what you're talking about, like being at the wedding, like wanting to be with your friends. I remember that exact same feeling. I only felt normal when I was with my friends. Yeah. That's it. Like every, every time else I was like, Oh my God, I can't be here. I can't do this. I can't do this. Yeah. I don't want to do this. I just got to go to my friends and everybody will we'll relax together. We'll be able to talk and laugh and fuck off. That was like always the appeal of uh, hanging out at the pool hall. When I was young, when I when I started hanging out at this place called Executive Billiards in White Plains with uh, my friend Johnny that died from drugs, um, that place was just we would all we were all misfits. It was like how the comedy store is. That's what I, Mitzi Shore actually calls the comedy store the Island of Misfit Toys. That's, that's like her nickname for it because all these weirdos mm-hmm. come from all over the world, but they all they go there and they realize when they're there like there's other people like me. There's other people like me. I just had to find them. Mm-hmm. I just had to find these fuckers. It just they weren't at the wedding. They weren't at the quinceanera. <laughs> yeah. Back then, like when I look at movies from the 80s, like in those movies, you're looking at people that are not connected. They don't mm-hmm. have that internet phone that we got. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. that life, there is no, everyone is disconnected. Every, the only thing that we were connected to was TV and radio, the big networks. Mm-hmm. That's the only way we can connect. And... You know, people say that we're more connected now than ever. We are in a lot of ways, but in some ways, 
because we weren't individually connected and there was only one source, NBC, CBS, ABC, we actually, that actually connected everybody. And there's everyone listening to the radio and, and uh, the radio stations were creating stars and everybody saw different strokes. You went to school and like right. everyone saw 8.30 Friday night on NBC. Everyone knew these right. were special spots. Mm -hmm. That's how everyone got connected in these special 8 o'clock on Thursday cheers and shit. Everyone got, they were so connected, way more connected now. Now, people aren't on those, like the radio doesn't have that much power. I never listen to fucking radio, ever. I'm listening to like satellite radio. And I shit. never listen to radio. Yeah. Never. It's always satellite. So everyone is like less, more connected to their niche, but there's shit that's huge out there like this. I was driving down the street and I saw this billboard in downtown LA. It's uh, uh, King Daddy. King Daddy's a white guy. Or apparently he's Latin, but he looks like a white guy, like vanilla eyes, and says, King Daddy. I thought it was like, are they filming a fucking movie, like some kind of parody movie here? That's what I thought it was. I, and then I looked at it, I go, this is the craziest thing. He's playing at the Staples, King Daddy. I've never heard of him. I Wikipedia him. He's fucking huge. Like, holy shit. There's people that are huge, and, and because we're so disconnected with everybody, we're just connected more and more with the people that are like us, and then that's it. Then we could shut everybody out. We don't have to be all together. But the old way, in, in that one way about... NBC, CBS, and we all saw the news in 60 Minutes. We were, in, at some times, at those periods, we were all connected. Mm. All of us, boom, we were all like one. We all knew the same shit. But now, we're all on our, on our own planet now. It's so true. Like, I'll go to someone's Twitter page, and they're a musician. I'm like, who is this guy? Five million Twitter followers. Yeah. I'm like, what like, the fuck? <laughs> I never heard of this person. You would know that guy because we would all be on those same channels. Yeah. Everybody would be on the same base. Now we're all, we get our news from different places. Like, do people still really watch the news on, like, Fox News? It's like, you, there's I'm a like, lot of people that do, though, it's man. Crazy. There's not it's a crazy. lot, just a lot of people that do. There's a lot of people that only, f like, they'll, they, they only follow, like, right wing news sources. Yeah. So they have, like, a right wing news idea. Yeah. And that's the only man. thing they talk about. Man. And so if they interact with something online, like, clearly you haven't been paying attention because that's yeah. been debunked. And yeah. you're like, okay, how's yeah. it been debunked? And you'll yeah. go and like read how it's been debunked. That hasn't been debunked at all. Yeah. Everything's been debunked. Mind. There's a debunked for a debunked for a debunked for a debunked. Every, everything like debunked. But you it's really find. simple. It's like where you get, it's really, it really is an info war, just like Alex Jones says. It really is. It isn't about uh, this theory and then that theory and the official story. Everyone goes to science. But science, that, that is what uh, people need to, uh, it's not just science. It's unbiased science. Can, is, where's the science coming from? Let's look at the science. You're just reading something off the internet. Where's that science come from? So it really is information because it's so easy to brainwash people nowadays. It's so easy. The media is you under control. Easy? I think it's, it's way harder. I think it's way harder to get people to believe shit now than ever before. No, I it's think, way harder to control. Mm, I think it's. I a think narrative. they're doing a brilliant job, man. Who's they? Thinking. What, I mean, just what? like most people think that uh, 9/11 wasn't an inside job. Most people believe that Tower Seven fell because of fires because the government told them. I mean, that's scary shit, man. It is. You know but what, I mean? what if 9/11 wasn't an inside job? I've been spending all this time thinking it was. What if it was just a bunch of incompetent man. people, a <laughs> bunch of people that all? I mean, the amount of people that had it's, to be involved, dude. To I, make it a conspiracy would be pretty it, big, right? Yeah, there's Would a, it be more likely that there's a bunch of fucking idiots running the government, which we've always known are true, than to have this one no. mastermind stroke of genius? No. 
No, not at all. When you look at when you look at the evidence, I mean, when uh, when the nine eleven like commission gone down this road. When the nine eleven, it's really simple. It's really simple. When the nine eleven uh, commission, we had video, a bunch of different angles of Tower Seven coming down. Right. We have that video. Tower so, Seven so is now, unquestionably so, one of the hardest things to yeah, answer. So, so about you just gotta just like a detective. You gotta look at it like a detective. You got, you got. Okay, that building came down. So. We, the people want to know uh, what happened at Tower 7. How come it looks like a demo? It looks like it exploded. It, looks, look, it, it must be exploded. That's the conspiracy theory. What does the government say? Nothing. It's not in the 9-11 Commission report. They deny it. There's no, there's, they don't say anything. They don't acknowledge it. After public pressure of wanting to know if uh, that was a controlled demo or not, we want a real investigation. Finally, in 2008, they fin- NIST finally came out. A government agency comes out, and, he's, and they ask him. They go, what? He gives a little presentation that Tower 7 uh, was brought down because it got too hot. And then the, he starts fielding questions, and they said, ha, why didn't you guys test for explosives? This is what this is all about. You know what he said? The answer was, there were no witnesses that said they heard explosions. That was his answer. And there's uh, endless, endless video after Someone's video, gonna make a meme after, video after video, after video, after video, firemen, policemen, witness after witness after witness after witness. There's all on video, all on video, right when it happens. And, and then the bombs went off. And then before that plane, and then bombs were just, and then the whole lobby was just bombs. And then we turned around, we were going down the elevator, and the elevator blew up. And there's everyone saying bombs. The, the newscasters are saying while they're there, they're going, everyone's saying bombs are going off everywhere. Every, they took all that shit and fucking buried it. They were saying, there's all this, they said, NIST, it's on video. They're saying, we didn't have any, they go, you didn't check for explosives? They go, no, we didn't check for explosives. There was no witnesses that said they heard explosions. And there was you just a said that. shitload. Yeah, I, 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 I got to repeat it. You know, when you look at that, what does that tell you? What it tells you is they're fucking gangsters, man. They're fucking lying. They're gangsters. It's really simple. It's, it's possible they're gangsters. It's also possible that they're retarded. It's also possible that they're trying to figure out a way to explain something that they, they just did a really shitty job explaining in the Man, past. There's so I'm much not an architect. Shit, yeah. so I'm not an architect. I'm not an engineer. Yeah. I don't understand how buildings, what, what they need to stay up. I don't mm-hmm. understand what can bring them down. When mm-hmm. I look at that, though, it looks like a controlled demolition. Yeah. It behaves exactly the same. I've never heard of a building that falls apart like that and just breaks apart in free, sp- in free fall. But what do I know? I mean, I don't know. There was apparently massive fires all throughout the building because there was some diesel fuel that they had in the basement, giant diesel tanks. And if those things were on fire and if the building was on fire in some sort of a crazy way where it weakened the whole thing, however unlikely, where it uniformly, once one part of it gave out, it just gave in. They didn't test for explosives. I understand that. But uh, what would disturb me about that scenario that I just, just said was why didn't someone sue for that building falling apart? Like, I, I would think that if that was my building and my building just caved in when it caught on fire, I'd be like, let me show you fuckheads some videos of buildings that didn't cave in because they were mm-hmm. a, a blaze, just on fire. Like, every fucking corner of the building is fire. Yeah. And this, this is just fire inside the building that fell apart. I would sue. Yeah, there's it's all a, fucked up. There's so much info. It's so deep. The whole, so what do you think I happened? Thought, what I, do you it, think happened? If you if you I believe think, this, if you believe that this is a conspiracy to take down Tower Seven. Well, this is this is. I want to say this. I always thought I was. I knew the nine eleven conspiracy quite well. I kind of. I, I kind of understood how it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I could argue with people. I thought I was. I thought I was a brown belt. Oh my god! I I watched this documentary that I don't even know if it's out yet. 
uh, that dude who put it together, he sent it to me. It's five hours long. <laughs> five hours long. I watched it twice already. Oh my god! It's fucking, and it's all news clips, and he and he's narrating through it. He's got so much information about how it went fucking down. Alex Jones is like a purple belt compared to this guy's name is Ryan Dawson, and the documentary is the um, the Empire Unmasked. Mm. Unmasked, I kiss unmasked. The Empire Unmasked. <laughs> I can't even say unmasked, but holy shit, it gets so fucking deep. So, it's like watching. It's like uh, watching Harry. Uh, one of the like a movie that was a book. Watching the movie and then watching it three times and then going back and reading the book and you're like, oh my god, there's so much shit. There's yeah. such a backstory and there's all these different players and all this evidence that was. Dude, there's no way one of anybody could watch things... that documentary and still think. And he's got all the evidence, dude. He breaks it all down, dude. It's it's there's so much. There's one so of my, much. One of my favorite things about 9/11 that never gets brought up was the press conference that Donald Rumsfeld had the day before the Pentagon got hit, mm -hmm. where he was talking about mm -hmm. all the money that was missing. It was mm -hmm. like trillions of dollars, mm -hmm. right? Like trillions mm -hmm. of dollars they couldn't account for. Man. And then the plane slams into the accounting department. <laughs> I mean. If we are living in a movie, this is an awesome movie. Dude. I want to know if that is true. Find out if the, the plane that hit the Pentagon hit the accounting department. That's, what, the, that's what everybody always says. The Naval Intelligence Office, which was investigating a lot of these uh, illegal securities. It was all, dude. It was, it was, according to this documentary, The Empire in Mass, in a nutshell. In a nutshell. In a nutshell. Aliens. Saudi Arabia. Uh, first, first, I want to say. First, I want to say. I love this country. I love the United States. This is Memorial States. Day. I just, How dare you, Eddie Bravo. I just, I'm just scared of the government. That's all. Okay. I love the country, but we have some... In every government, people would agree that there's a criminal element in every government. Everybody believes that there's crooks running shit, right? So I'm not saying anything that crazy. The, uh, according to this documentary... The it's dude, you, you got to go way back like a hundred years. It's, it's all tied together. Okay. From the banana wars in the early 1900s. It's all about drug trade between cent controlling Central America. Uh, first of all, before you go into any oh conspiracy theories, the one conspiracy theory that is uh, 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 that's real is the Iran Contra conspiracy theory. That's actually real. It's out. What if you look into it? What was it? George Bush Sr. got busted. Him and Oliver North. There was a few key people doing some shit that the rest of the government didn't know about. That's a conspiracy theory. They were running guns and drugs through Arkansas. And Iran and Israel were all involved. It's a big drug arms ring. That's all it is. They're all making money off it. They've been doing it since the banana wars were all about the drugs. They used, The United States used to, with other countries, go in and fucking jack them and take their shit. Then they realized it's easier if we just control the government Government. We'll organize a coup and we'll pull our guy in and we'll just take that shit. We don't need to fight them. So they just pulled all the military out and they've been doing that. It's all this Nicaragua, the Iran Contra. They got busted, but they've been doing it forever. It's like a family business when you're at the top. They got busted. That's not a conspiracy theory. They used to think it was a conspiracy theory in the 70s and everyone said conspiracy theory. There's news reports. People are like, it's crazy. And then it comes out 10 years later. They get busted. Ronald Reagan says he didn't know shit. He doesn't recall shit. The vice president is George Sr. He's the ex-head of the CIA. He's running 
ruin the whole fucking thing. I, I, I know. I'm well aware of the story. They gonna, get we have busted. to be careful about people's yeah. attention spans. No, but they get busted. Shit. You got to explain this. It's right there in the early 80s. Mm-hmm. The shit that happened from JFK and beyond. But JFK is connected to Iran-Contra, which is connected to 9-11. It's all the same fucking players. It's all the same. It's a big old drug cartel going on. So all the big... Uh, it's a corporate... Um, it's all about... Uh, um, the mob sells the drugs that the drug that the government brings in. They always had a mob relationship. There's always been the government running drugs, using the mob to make money for covert operations. They've always done that shit. That's the way they do it. They, and and all, everything that's happening in the Middle East, that's all it is to America. Israel, they want to fuck up. They wanted to fuck up Iraq. The criminal element. They, they want, but the United States are like, they need to control the poppy seeds. So it was oil, drugs, the same shit. They just needed a reason to get in there. Everybody knows that we invaded Iraq because of 9-11, but they're, now we know that there's zero connection. That was all bullshit. We know that's a, that's a fact. That's not a conspiracy theory. There was no weapons of mass destruction. We just needed a reason to get in there. Dude, they, there's documents that they talk about this these great con- uh, uh pnac uh, this group like how are we gonna take over and what is the best route to do talking about we need a reason to get into the middle east and control we need a big event it's on fucking paper they Did don't even see, give a shit you ever see the video where general general wesley clark starts talking about uh invading like what what's going to be done the 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 timeline that's been laid out for the United States to in- invade all these other countries and take over. Have you ever seen that? I heard something about that. you never what? seen the video? No. What is it? You should, should watch it because it's pretty fascinating. What's it it's called? General Wesley Clark, okay. who was a guy who ran for president. I think okay. he ran for president in 2004. Yeah. When did he run for president? 2008, maybe? Maybe 2008. Yeah. Whenever it was that he ran for president. Um, he was a, four? He was a, uh, just a decorated general. Mm-hmm. And like uh, a, a patriot, a war hero, mm-hmm. a guy who was like really well respected. And I believe it was on Charlie Rose. And he laid out the government's plan. Like the people that are, you, you, would, you would be fascinated by this. So I'll play it for you. Because for people that are listening to this, they go, Sounds like Agenda 21? Well, maybe? He's, he's, explaining, he's explaining like what he was privy to as yeah. a four star general or whatever he was. Yeah. And, um, in this video, for people to listen to this going, this is all crazy conspiracy talk. When you hear a guy like Wesley Clark, presidential candidate, like very decorated, very well-respected general, saying these things, like listen to what he says. Got it? Listen to us. About 10 days after 9-11, I went through the Pentagon and I saw Secretary Rumsfeld and, and Deputy Secretary Wolfowitz. I went downstairs just to say hello to some of the people on the joint staff who... You, We've made the decision we're going to war with Iraq. This was on our band. He said, sir, you got to come in. you got to come in and talk to me a second. I said, what's September? I said, we're going to war with Iraq. Why? He said, I don't know. <laughs> he said, I guess they don't know what else to do. So uh, I said, well, did they find some information collect- connecting Saddam to al-Qaeda? He said, no, no. He no says, there's nothing new that way. They just made the decision to go to war with Iraq. He said, I guess it's like we don't know what to do about terrorists, but we've got a good military and we can take a nail. So I came back to see him a few weeks later, and by that time we were bombing in Afghanistan. I said, are we still going to war with Iraq? And he said, oh, it's worse than that. He said, down governments. And um, he said, I guess if, if the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem...
reached over on his desk, he picked up a piece of paper, and he said, I just, he said, I just got this down from upstairs, meaning the Secretary of Defense's office today, and he said, this is a memo that describes how we're going to take out seven countries in five years, starting with Iraq and then Syria, Lebanon, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and finishing off Iran. Come on, man. Now, this, this is the scariest the part of this. Is this is the scariest. You want to keep it going? Had there been no oil there, it would be like Africa. Nobody is threatening to intervene in Africa. The problem is the opposite. We keep asking for people to intervene and stop it. And there's, uh, there's no question that the presence of petroleum throughout the region has sparked great power involvement. Whether that was the specific motivation for the coup or not, I can't tell you, but, but there was definitely, there's always been this attitude that somehow we could intervene and use force in the region. Boom. Yeah, the scariest thing is you could watch something like this, and like a skeptic who doesn't believe in any conspiracy, you could watch this. They'll, they'll watch it, and something like they've been programmed, mm -hmm. like they've been hypnotized, like no matter what, obey the official story. Do you see that you know? video that was just about to come up, Major Smedley Butler? Check that out. That the, the video that is about to come up was the, the, um, the letter that Major Smedley Butler wrote in like 1930-something. And he was uh, another famous war hero who uh, wrote a letter, like, realizing when he was leaving the military that war is a racket. Major General Smedley Butler and the fascist takeover of the USA. Is it pl play anything? You can roughly locate any community somewhere along a scale Remember, running all the way from democracy to despotism. This man makes it his job to study these things. Well, for one thing, avoid the comfortable idea that the mere form of government can of itself safeguard a nation against despotism. For big business, despotism was often a useful tool for securing foreign markets and pursuing profits. One of the U.S. Marine Corps' most highly decorated generals, Smedley Darlington Butler, by his own account, helped pacify Mexico for American oil companies, Haiti and Cuba for National City Bank, Nicaragua for the Brown Brothers brokerage, the Dominican Republic for sugar interests, Honduras for U.S. fruit companies, and China for Standard Oil. General Butler's services were also in demand in the United States itself in the 1930s, as President Franklin Delano Roosevelt sought to relieve the misery of the Depression through public enterprise and tougher regulations on corporate exploitation and misdeeds. More power to you, President Roosevelt. The entire country's behind you, thrilled with hope and patriotism. But the country was not entirely behind the populist president. Large parts of the corporate elite despised what Roosevelt's New Deal stood for. And so, in 1934, a group of conspirators sought to involve General Butler in a treasonous plan. And as outlined to me was to form an organization of veterans, to use as a bluff or as a club at least, to intimidate the government. But the corporate cabal had picked the wrong man. Butler was fed up with being what he called a gangster for capitalism. I appeared before the Congressional Committee, the highest representation of the American people under subpoena to tell what I knew of activities, which I believe might lead 
to an attempt to set up a fascist dictatorship. The upshot of the whole thing was that I was supposed to lead an organization of 500,000 men, which would be able to take over the functions of government. How crazy is that? A congressional committee ultimately found evidence of a plot to overthrow Roosevelt. <clears throat> According to Butler, That's how the corporations conspiracy work, included man. representatives of some it. of America's top corporations. They, they, they own the CDC. J.P. Morgan, DuPont, and Goodyear Tire. As today's chairman of Goodyear Tire knows, for corporations to dominate government, a coup is no longer necessary. Corporations have gone global. And by going global, the uh, governments have lost some control over corporations, regardless of whether the corporation can be trusted or cannot be trusted. Governments today do not have over the corporations the power that they had and the leverage that they had 50 or 60 years ago. That's the and former that's a major CEO change. So of Goodyear governments have become right powerless compared to where they were before. Capitalism today commands the towering heights and has displaced politics and politicians as the new high priests and reigning oligarchs of our system. So capitalism and its principal protagonists and players, corporate CEOs, have been accorded unusual power and access. This is not to deny the significance of government and politicians, but these are the new high priests. Okay. Well, that's all, uh, that's pretty much proven what you're saying. I mean, that uh, when you look at that, you look at Iran-Contra, and or at least, people uh, don't care. This is how, this is the scariest part, is uh, you know how certain amount of people can be hypnotized? You know, you go to a hypnotist show, mm -hmm. the guy before the show starts, he does a couple tests, and he goes, I got that idiot, and I got that motherfucker. All you others sit down. Right. He knows. He could figure it out. Right. That's not like conspiracy theory, right? Right. He think, what is it? That's, that's pretty crazy that he knows that there's a few people that he could hypnotize, and there's others that he can't. Mm -hmm. So then he makes them do weird shit. And people, is hypnotism real? Do pe can people be hypnotized? And, yes. And, and can they, is it real that you can hypnotize someone, wake them up, they appear to be woken up, and when they hear you say a certain word, they react a certain way is that real or is I think that it's real I think is that with, real with some people if uh if they they get good enough at it yeah i've they, seen documentaries but maybe they were hoaxes up. i don't no, know i don't know I'm, if they're real i'm pretty sure well i've been hypnotized mm -hmm. and hypnotism is real okay it definitely so is. It is real it puts you well it's not well, at least with me what what the guy was trying to do was not what i think would be done if someone was trying to get you to do something like that but if it's if is it possible to hypnotize someone in their own whatever way, mm -hmm. whatever way works, and tell them when you wake up, when I hear when, mm -hmm. when you hear the bell, you're gonna react a certain yes. way or you're gonna think a certain way. Yes. And so that person could be totally awake at work, mm -hmm. and then you could say something and they react a certain way. Is that, that real? I'm not, that I'm not sure of. It appears that I think that's that's like there's given a lot of time from the hypnosis event. Oh no, not at work. I don't know if it works at work, but I'm not. I'm not. I don't know why I said at work. But I'm just saying, if it work, who knows? Maybe it's supposed to wear off after five minutes or ten minutes. When does it? Well, wear you off? change states. You know, like you, you, if you're in a state of anger, or a state of depression, or state, there's like a state that you achieve when you get hypnotized. And okay, even so though you're aware of it, you're let's awake. Say if, if it's well, let me just explain what it feels like. It felt like like I was almost like I was on drugs. Like, uh, I went to some weird, like, uh, K-hole or something like that. Like, it was very strange. It felt uh, very almost not, I want to I say out of body, but inner body. But I was awake. I was never asleep. Mm -hmm. But, like, if anything crazy happened, like an alarm went off, or I, I would have got right up. Like, I would have been fine. 
mm-hmm. but in that state like someone can talk you into that state and you put yourself you willingly allow yourself to get into that state that's for me in this situation if it was a different situation and it was a more gullible person or more easily mm-hmm. led person and then the the hypnosis uh professional was like more into doing that more hypnotist, into Joe. Uh, hypnosis professionals not Hypnotist, okay. If that guy was um, more into uh, getting you to remember a certain noise or a certain sound, and when you heard that sound, you're going to associate with something. Yeah, something. Yeah, I think but, that's possible. Okay, so let's assume that's real, and it probably is. It might be all hoaxes, but I've seen documentaries. I, I don't know for sure. It's a documentary. I don't think it is a hoax. Yeah. I don't so think let's just assume it's real. Yeah. If that's real, then, that, then you can say that a certain percent of the population... It, uh, it, it can be hypnotized, right? Yes. Just like that. Not everybody, but a certain. Like, what is that percentage? Let's just say, let's just guess and say, what if it's thirty percent of the population has it, hypnotism abilities? It easier. might be everyone if you allow yourself to. Be. Yes, it yes. might be everyone. Exactly, it might be. Let's just say thirty percent. Let's say sixty, forty, whatever. Then that, if those documentaries that we're talking about is true, if it is real that you could do that, then can you? trigger something the, the people that can be hypnotized like 30 percent of them can you uh, program something on tv whether it's in the news or whatever something are they doing something to handle those people and get them to only believe in what they see on tv you don't have to do it like that you don't have to do it with if would that be possible get, yeah but you wouldn't do it that way you know you'd have to sit down with those people and actually hypnotize them you had to get them into that state you have to know what kind of state they're in when you're Bring these suggestions into their mind. Now, sometimes but I'm watching TV. Have to. And I'm hypnotized. I'm watching narco high as fuck. Yeah, but you, that's different. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the government is trying to hypnotize just, you this, through narcos. This is, this is all I'm saying. saying. You know, you don't believe that, do you? What the government's trying to hypnotize you through Netflix? Ah, uh, probably. I believe that. I don't uh, think Netflix is in cahoots to the government. I've uh, had meetings with them. They seem like normal people. <laughs> <laughs> um. But my point is, this is just my wild conspiracy theory that, I mean, an answer, an attempt to answer the question why you can show someone film like that, like what you just, like, film uh-huh. like that, and there's uh, five hours of shit like that. Okay. The Empire and Mass is five hours of okay. shit like that. Okay. Ow. What? Just, people can see it. Right. They can see the build Tower 7 go boom, uh-huh. but they're going to believe the government. I th- Look, I keep saying this you know about Tower, I mean? like, Tower 7. Tower scary. 7 looks to me like an implosion. It looks to me like a demolition. Yeah. But I don't know shit. Yeah. I don't know shit. You know, there's 2,000... There was a giant fire in- inside that building that caused the building to fail, and it collapsed like that. And I'm talking all this crazy shit. I know they blew it up. I know they used bombs. Then I'm an idiot. And mm-hmm. so if I'm saying I know... One way or the other, it's kind of crazy. I can't. You can't really say it. I don't have enough information. But you gotta. But you gotta have based on what you see your opinion. Well, you know based what I mean? on what my, my of see, course my no opi- one knows for see, sure. That's not my opinion. My opinion is it looks like a controlled demolition. Yeah. Now, look, if you see a submission, okay, and you know it's a dog shit submission, and the guy taps out, you go, "Well, that guy quit." Well, you'll know that guy quit because you'll know that that's not a good submission because you're an expert in submissions. Yeah. When I see a building collapse like that, I'll say, "Yeah, it looks like a d- controlled demolition because that's what it looks like." Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean it's a controlled demolition. But- it could easily have been a crazy fire that caused a catastrophic failure of the structure of that building. And I don't know jack shit about structures of buildings. Of course, so no I one is can't saying say that. Nobody is saying that you do, and no 
one is saying that you, based on what you're like a juror, isn't an expert in all mm-hmm. this forensics. You're going on what the experts say. You're not going on, the juror's not going to go, well, I don't know if he killed him. I wasn't actually there, so I don't know. There's all this evidence. The juror has, based on the evidence, you have to, you know, it's it's okay to say based on all the gangster shit that's going on. They mm. don't say shit for seven years. A, a detective would yeah, go, but, wait okay, a minute. Let's get away from that. Here's what's interesting about that building. Here's one of the things that makes this, this theory more fascinating, and this is a fact. They had offices inside that building of the NSA. I think it was the CIA. Find out what, what offices were inside Tower 7. Because it was a crazy building. It wasn't just yeah. like a regular building. Yeah. That building yeah. had some really nutty shit stored in it. Some crazy information in offices. Like it, it, was, it wasn't like, oh my God, they, they crushed the Prudential building. We, we lost all this insurance policy numbers and you know, data. Nope. No, it wasn't that. No, it was way nuttier than that. It was, it was like really intense foreign policy shit, intense financial shit. It was like there's some... Crazy offices inside there. What yeah. do you got there, Jamie? Yeah. Here we go. Like, look at look at what was in Building Seven. This is fucking fascinating. Can you imagine Salmon Smith and Barney? Okay, uh, which is a financial company. Internal Revenue Service, Regional Council, U.S. Secret Service, American Express Bank International, Standard Chartered Bank, uh, Provident Financial Market Management, um, Hartford Insurance Group. First State Management Group, Federal Loan Bank, a lot of banks, but here it is NAIC Securities. Securities and Exchange Commission, that's when it gets really crazy. Yeah. Security and Exchange Commission is like, that's the fucking, that, I mean, that's, that's the mother load of money right there. New York City Office of Emergency Management. Yeah, what would a what would a decent detective think based on all this? Would well, he go, no, they couldn't do it. You would look at that. Uh, and you go, wow, it's convenient that that building collapsed because uh, it seems like there's a lot of fucking tenants in there that probably had a lot of crazy information. The Secret Service, the Security <laughs> Exchange on. Commission, and the Office of Emergency Management. That's uh, that's a lot of like, re- and then all those banks. It's just high level really, gangster really shit. Really important shit. High Who level knows? gangster shit. Who knows? Uh, I thought it was the CIA. I thought the CIA was in there as well. A uh, small office of the CIA. Is that what but, it was? Eddie Bravo, conspiracy theorist. He mm, knows. I'm just a blue belt compared to Ry Dawson. Well, that there's guy a lot of people that off. have spent their whole life looking at that. That's, if it is what we said, uh, or what I said, rather, a catastrophic failure of a structure based on you know, poor, that's horse poor ability. You know that's horseshit. If shit. it is, if it, that is a, what a convenient building to collapse. Like, it seems like those offices would have a lot of really crazy shit in them. And if a decent detective found out that, oh, it looks like two over 2,000 architects risking their license, risking their credibility, is going to go against the government. Right, right, right. It, but 2,000, when you listen to them talk. Architects for truth, is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, they have the balls to do it. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is like, they don't want, they're, they're, most people don't want any trouble. That's well, what all. I want to know is uh, how many architects disagree with them and who's the better architect? Where's the video? Show See, me. That, but that's what I don't know. They don't have the balls because it's obvious. This is, we're talking about obvious shit. I know you have to stay on the fence. I know, I, I know this. No, dude, it's not a, I have to. I stay is, on the fence because this yeah. is how I try to think. Yeah. I try but, to I try to not gotta look get at the evidence. Up. You gotta look at, at the evidence. I'm looking at it. It like, takes them seven but, years I to, it was, to come out with a report okay. and then they don't test for explosives. Okay. I thought that when we were looking at that uh, report, I thought we were gonna see the CIA in there. It's less impressive with uh what we what we did have in there. I don't know if maybe they that, would maybe that's not everything. Rig, it might very well could be. I don't know if they would rig a building like that with explosives when they were building it in the 
possibility that something went wrong and they had to destroy evidence. No. That is no, but that no could one be has possible. even said that, and you're, you're, you can't even bring that up because no one that has never been brought up. But wait a minute, that's what happened. If the building exploded, mm-hmm. okay, if you did, if you do believe that the building was a controlled demolition, mm-hmm. then someone rigged it. So the idea is, if they knew that these people were going to be in this building, they knew this building was going to be a high sec- uh, high security building. They could have rigged it with explosives when they were constructing it. To make sure that in the event the that building was taken, go. But you well, know, how, that well, didn't why happen. do you say that didn't happen? Because when did it get detonated? When did it get? When At did it five get fitted? Something. But when did it get fitted with those explosives? Which yeah, takes yeah, weeks. Exactly, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. What I'm saying is there are there's. It's not my idea either. There's many people that are speculating that when the building was actually constructed, they constructed it with this possibility. No. They made it. Why do you say no? No. no. That's Why do you say no? When you look at the whole story, I'm only bringing up Tower 7, but there's a million pieces to the story. When you put all the pieces together, you're like, it, it, well, that's just, well, that's just hey, one part of the building, it. Why, do you, we, why are you convinced that that's how the building got brought down? What does this say? Mm-hmm. The Department of Defense of Central Intelligence Agency. Okay, yeah. They shared the 25th floor with the IRS. Okay, yeah. That's it. Do you want me to explain? Defense, well, hold on. This is, we're just reading this, the facts. So the Department of Defense and the Central Intelligence Agency were there on the 25th floor with the IRS. Floors 46 through 47 were mechanical floors, as were the bottom floors and part of the seventh floor. Okay. And that could all be bullshit. That Who knows? That could just be someone just fucking around. That's Wikipedia, bro. That is <laughs> locked you don't know. Where did that come from? That is locked down and tight. But why would you think that it's impossible for them to rig the building with explosives because when they constructed it? Because it's impossible because they didn't say anything for seven years. After public pressure, they were forced to have put a scientist out there in front of these reporters to finally give a reason, mm-hmm. and they said it was because of fires. They didn't. Oh, I understand. They, and I they understand. said, and they gasped, "Why didn't you ex- uh, check for explosives?" You just this said, is what it was all about. This three times, but already. you asked I the question it. again. I get it. I get it. I get it. But that's not. That doesn't mean it's impossible. I'm just looking at the evidence. But that's not even the evidence. It doesn't mean that it's impossible. If, if, if it was a controlled demolition, let's get crazy. Let's An say, alien could have blew it up, say, and that's, impo- that's not impossible. But let's say, let's look at it and say it's a controlled demolition. Let's say it looks like a controlled demolition. Let's assume it is. How did the, how did the bombs get into the building? How did they put them in? Why is it impossible? If you, if you, look, if you look in, if you, wait, are why, you asking why, me a question? But why is it impossible that they put those bombs in it when they were building it? In the case, or when the Secret Service took over, or when whoever was made the tenant, maybe they installed the bombs to make sure in an event that something happened. Like in 96, I believe it was 96, the World Trade Center towers, they blew them up in the basement, remember? They had a, a car bomb mm-hmm. that went off in the basement, and they thought mm-hmm. they were going to take the tower down. If these people thought the, that put this building in place, or that took over this building, the CIA, the NSA, whoever the fuck it was, if they knew that they had some really important, secure information there, it's very possible they could have said, okay, in the event that someone does blow up the World Trade Center, like in 96, because it's already happened before, mm-hmm. and a catastrophic failure, we can, de- we can demolish this building. Hey, if, you're, if you want to uh, lean towards that theory, that's fine, too. I'm not trying to I'm change I'm not leaning towards mind. anything, but why I'm are you not, saying that that's impossible? Anything's possible. I wasn't there. You weren't there. But right. we're going based on what we know. Jurors, did, we're, like, like if this was what a do, jury, not like we finding, know? we're not looking for God's okay. truth. Right. We're looking like a jury, like a detective. How would they handle mm-hmm. the truth? 
You know what I mean? If well, everybody why, was legit, you got to look at it like that. What do you think happened? If you think it was a controlled demolition, how do you think Man, the bombs got in the building? It's so deep. It's so deep and so long. Like I said, you put all that 9-11 information. Forget about the Pentagon. This five-hour documentary has nothing to do with the Pentagon. That's like right. so much info, just like that video you showed. Five hours of that crushing evidence. Uh-huh. When you look at that as a Jew or as a detective, you're like, of course it was an inside job. He In that documentary, they lay out the countries that have always done shit like this. They've always done it. They, okay. did. they got busted in Iran-Contra. Okay, but, but let's let's not get off course here. I want I still want to find out your thinking on the Building 7 because you're convinced that Building 7 was a demolition, right? As a juror... It's a demolition so based on all the it, testimony. How do you think they set it up for demolition? Well, uh, there, uh, there's evidence. If you're watching this documentary, there's so much information. But there's evidence of, of them constantly doing work and fake-ass workers working on the elevator shafts. There's all this evidence of that. They can, they, it's so deep. I don't want to. I, I don't remember the names of the guys. So you or think all like these people that were working there, they just set that building up to blow up? Yeah, they took time and they just had fake, fake. Uh, the, it's a fact that the elevator was always broken and there was always people. Like the month before, mm-hmm. there's all these fake passes and there's a lot of evidence. There's five hours. You're gonna go shit. There's God, reports. Kind of time there's all the Bravo. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? For, I'm so obsessed with those details. I don't know why, but. I we're living in a world post 9-11 that's we're living in a crazy world where people are fucking dying in the Middle East and getting blown up and getting murdered and kids and stuff like that. That's going on. I just can't. I need to find out why they're doing like what's going on. I just I'm obsessed with how is this racket? How do they operate? I want to know the truth. And when you know the truth, it's just like, fuck, you just want to tell as many people as possible. We're this. Look. George Bush Sr. gets busted on national TV uh, with the Iran-Contra uh, uh, situation. He becomes president after that. And then he's running all his shit and all his drugs in his arms through uh, Arkansas with a, an unknown governor, who Bill Clinton, who's letting it happen. And then he becomes president after George Bush, as a detective, I don't know the truth. I wasn't there. I don't know what the relationship is like. like it looks like I'm like I'm like that's a that's a fucking that's some gangster shit going on right there, and they're just playing with the public and all the, the dumb motherfuckers who believe that there's you know this Republican Democrat uh, battle going on. You know that's it's it's uh, fascinating and frustrating at the same time, and very scary that. Man, we're living with people that that just follow the official story and whatever they say, that's the truth. And all the other shit that's not the official story, that's crazy. Well, when there's a lot of people that do really love to buy the official story and they love to argue it. They love to argue the official the story scary, about everything. Yeah, the scary thing is pe- the people, when you ask anybody, they'll say, yeah, the government's fucked fucked up. Yeah, the government, you can't trust the government. Everybody will say that. Everyone... Everyone, no one's ever, no one's ever said you could totally trust the government. I trust the government. No one ever says that ever. They oh, everyone says I fuck the government, bunch of crooks. But when sh- when they get busted and there's all this evidence and all this shit going d- shit going down and so crystal clear, can you imagine if those the video of not of Tower Seven was not available until ten years later? No, that would be the craziest fucking a conspiracy theory that nobody would get behind. Nobody would waste their time. That building goes down. There's no video of it. There's going to be people that were there. Go, dude, 
it's a crazy view. Some Tower Seven just fell down like 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 it was controlled demo. People go, you crazy motherfucker. Where's the video? Where's the video? Where's the video? That's all well, they would say. That's inside. what happened with the Kennedy assassination. Exactly. That was ten years later. So with, can you imagine if there was no video? The vi- mm-hmm. because of all the angles that came out right away. Right away, we had all that footage. It's almost like it, it like. That was good for the people that were behind this. Like, it was beautiful because you could see that on YouTube and has millions of views. But people will go, well, the government said it was fires, so I believe it's fires. Hmm. You know, and you're watching it. You're watching it go down. Bunch of different angles. But I'm going to go with the government on this one, government, for 200. You know, that's scary. That kind of mentality is what I'm scared of. I'm scared of conspiracy theories. <laughs> That's what I'm scared of. Yeah, Enough damn, of that I'm shit. Light this fucking joint back on. <laughs> you know? Conspiracy theories killing my brain. I gotta go to Australia, bro. I can't handle that. Yeah. Crazy shit, man. Maybe, maybe I should just say, shut the fuck up about it and just close my fucking eyes, just look straight. Sometimes I think about that, you know, is I wonder, that better? No, that I better? wonder how long, if, if there really is some crazy global cabal going on that's ripping off the world, how much longer are they going to keep going with this in this, these days of Edward Snowden? You know what? There's, there's hope. Type information leaks. When, I want, when, I, when, when you find out exactly how the racket works, the global racket works, when you look into it with an open mind and... I mean, we just uh, went right back into it. I no, thought we were going to get out I'm, of it. <sighs> I don't even know what I was going to say. You <laughs> interrupted me. What were we even talking about? Global cabal. Look how it works. If you look at how it works. Man, I totally forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I totally. Global cabal. Well, let's figure this out. Global cabal. Uh, what um, else? I'm going to go with Tower 7, Chemtrail, Black Helicopter, CIA, George Bush, oh, Barry I, no, Mina, no, no, I remember now. I remember. I, when, when you look at it, how it all goes down, and bit by bit, how it all goes down, it's like fucking nuts. It's nuts. And I think there's no way we could ever uh, regain control of the media because that's where all the power is. It all comes down f- to the media. Who controls that shit? And uh, when you, there's, do we ever have control? We got to go to alternative media for the truth. And, but then no one believes that. Everyone believes the, the shit that the government gives us, the PR pro fucking propaganda machine from the Pentagon. Everyone believes that. They don't believe the alternative media because, oh, you know what? It looks like it was low budget because look at the kind of film and the lighting they use. It doesn't, I don't believe that. That looks like they're in their garage. I want to believe this shit on Fox. That's how people think. They might not say that, but that's what's going on because that's what people believe. Most of people think. But as the news does a shittier and shittier job of covering events in detail, I think people are leaning more and more towards alternative sources. Yes, it's like yes. the Guardian when they released all those Ed Snowden documents. That they weren't the only ones who were offered that. Yeah, it's just they got lucky. They found a guy in Glenn Greenwald that wanted to put his balls out there mm-hmm. and do it, and, and and then they go after whistleblowers, man. Oh fuck, you know yeah, John they do. John Stockwell. Is a former CIA agent wrote a couple of books. CIA uh, took control of the royalties of his books because you can't be talking about this stuff. So he's not making money off the books. The CIA is they just took control of his shit. So John Stockwell, yeah. he he was a CIA agent for 13 years. Most of the people in the CIA they come in to fight communism. They're trying to help the mm-hmm. world. They're trying to help uh, the yeah. United States. It's the a criminal element. There's a few key players. The guys with all the power at the top. The craziest guys at the top. And a lot of guys in, in the CIA have no idea. They don't tell everybody. I think it's like what you were saying earlier that we were talking about how in the 1980s and whatever before the internet there was only a few different programs so everybody was on these channels Mm -hmm. but I think in this day and age there's so much information out there there's so much stuff to listen to and so much stuff to watch so much stuff to pay attention to it's just overwhelming that when something happens even if it's a big deal 
It's gone in a couple days. Yeah. Some new shit coming down the pipe. University of Missouri, they're having a fucking hunger strike. Yep. Oh, that lady, she yeah, pushed that kid and she uh, called for muscle. Like, oh, th there's a new thing every goddamn day. You know, a few days ago, the Pentagon got busted with a, uh, a gas station that cost $43 million to build. And everyone was like, why is a gas station in that part of the world? It's normally full of between two hundred dollars and $500,000 to build a gas station. $43 million. And they're like, it just is. It's fucking expensive. I mean, the, the latest word out there, right. uh, Donald Rumsfeld, the day before 9-11, said, oh, yeah. uh, we have $2.3 trillion missing. That's ridiculous, right? He just says, we don't know where it's at, but it's gone. So they had to make a fucking uh, Pentagon briefing. They had to... They had to tell the world, listen, we lost $2.3 trillion. September then, 10th. Yeah, that was September 10th, and the next day, uh, that office in the Pentagon that's looking into it blows up. But anyways, as a, as a juror, I'm, I'm like, gangsters, I, gangster shit's going on right here, dude. I don't have to, I'm not fucking, I, I'm, I'm a grown-ass man. I know how gangsters they are. I'm like, that's, dude, you it's obvious, right? So, but the hope, you, you think there's no hope because they control the media. They got it. But the, what shows me hope is what's happening with hemp and marijuana. The resurgence, taking a Schedule One drug, a Schedule One drug and making it legal, that... that In that, several states now, yes. including Washington, D.C., which is crazy. It's more and more and mm -hmm. more. It's becoming legal. Yeah. So that shows that the federal government doesn't... They, they still Schedule it One. They, they didn't want this. But that shows that the people actually, ultimately, if the people all can get together, they do have all the power. The mm -hmm. people do have the power because we still remember that from the Constitution. That's one thing we remember. We, I don't remember the fucking amendments and all that, but I go, I know we have the power and you guys are supposed to be working for us. Mm -hmm. Right now it's not like that and it's fucked up, but we know we're supposed to have the power. And when we learn that and we learn how powerful we are, we took a Schedule One drug that was demonized, that was persecuted. It wasn't just left by itself. They went after the psyche of the nation on, on globally, really, mm -hmm. not just nationally. That was real. That's not a conspiracy theory. The reefer madness propaganda. That's some evil shit. So when people tell me, oh, do you know there's parts of the government that do this? I don't need fucking evidence. You could tell me anything. I'm like, it's probably true. And if it's not true... Who gives a fuck anyways? But I believe it. You're talking about criminals. Is it criminal activity? And does it seem like, oh, you can make money that way? Whatever you're telling me. I see where the money comes from. Mm -hmm. If I don't see where the money comes from, I go, maybe it's bullshit. But if you could see how they can make money, mm -hmm. I'm like, they probably do it. Because if yeah. you just thought of it, they probably thought of it too. They're running everything. So, um, but there's hope. There's hope. I'm like, shit, the people do have the fucking power. Fuck. Well, we can make a difference. In a position, they're a position where they can lock people up, and they can intimidate people with the threat of locking people up. Yeah. Even for something as silly as marijuana, I mean, people will say, "Well, that's, you know, it's not even an important point." It's not like remember when Obama said there was uh, there was some sort of a, a, a write-in on the internet, like what should what should they talk about? And I forget what speech he was given, what what uh, town hall, what was the number one question? And he's like, the number one question was legalization of marijuana. And he was like, well, I don't know what that says about the people that are calling in. Ho, ho, ho. You know, he jokes around about it like it's not, it's not a, you know, a serious topic. Mm -hmm. But of course it's a serious topic. Because marijuana by itself, whether you like pot or don't like pot, it's not about that. It's about freedom. 
And it's a serious topic when you have a subject like marijuana, which all these people enjoy, and there's no reason why it should be illegal, and yet it's still illegal. That's not freedom. Mm -hmm. See, if marijuana made people's fucking brains melt and made your dick fall off and, you know, made people just start running out into traffic, there would be a reason why someone would say, hey, we got to spend a lot of money to stop this because it's going to destroy our youth, ruin our children, and just devastate our society. Since that evidence doesn't exist, it doesn't make any sense. So if someone is still arresting people when there's no evidence that they should be that's when shit gets scary that's scary that's a freedom issue because they're letting you know they could just lock you in a cage we have a difference of opinion i'm not even willing to look at scientific evidence i don't care about scientific evidence i care about what's written on this piece of paper and this piece of paper says if you're stuck if you have a certain amount of these plants i can put you in a cage and i can make money off of you being in that fucking mm -hmm. cage that is a freedom issue. It has nothing to do with marijuana itself. Now, you and I are obviously marijuana advocates, and we're marijuana enthusiasts, and we're known for having beliefs that marijuana is not just a, it's not just a fun thing, but it's a, a very important thing for creativity. It's like a turbocharger for creativity. Absolutely. And it doesn't get recognized for what it is because it's been demonized. So it's not about whether or not you should start doing it or other people should start having our, our opinions and, and changing your mind on it. It's about recognizing why we have these opinions in the first place, because they're not based on fact at all. These are 1930s propaganda ideas that were, at the time, fucking tsunamis, right? Tsunamis of information back when there were so few portals. They put a movie like Reefer Madness out. Can you imagine? William Randolph Hearst is the guy running the newspapers. He's got all these stories he's printing about Mexicans and black people raping white people. When those were the only fucking voices on the horizon, people freaked out about any kind of information like that. That was all that was available. It wasn't like that, and then you go online, and Mike Tyson fucked a tiger? What? You know, or, you know, Dan why do you suppose? Why do you suppose lost $100 million dollars playing poker, you know? Why were they, why do you suppose they went after marijuana in a just a demonic way well i think it it was gone after in a very calculated way by a guy who went after a lot of things like that william randolph Hearst stand a profit from marijuana being illegal remaining illegal he in fact they named it marijuana for people who don't even know the name marijuana referred to a wild mexican tobacco and it had nothing to do with cannabis. Cannabis was hemp, and everybody knew that, and they knew that as a textile and as a commodity, it was extremely valuable for the American people. For people who don't know, there was actually a documentary that Jack Herer found, and it was a big deal that he found it because he had known about this, and people denied its existence, and then he found this documentary, Hemp for Victory, and it was made during World War II after hemp was essentially made illegal, but they wanted hemp to use for sales, they used for canvas, is all made with hemp. All the, the great paintings, like the Mona Lisa, that shit is painted on canvas, which comes from cannabis. I mean, it is, it is a, a commonly used plant throughout human history. Thousands of years of use, all like intercepted by a propaganda campaign. This propaganda campaign by one guy and a bunch of other people that conspired with it as well, where there was two factions of it. One guy wanted to What did to he do, put profit. out movies? Like William Randolph Hearst put out movies? He paid for that, but he also owned Hearst Publications. He, he owned the newspapers. So he printed these wild stories of white women getting raped. By people smoking yeah. marijuana. Well, he owned hundreds of, like, he owned not just newspaper, but he owned hundreds of thousands of acres of trees. And he used those trees and made paper out of them. He owned paper mills. If hemp became the new billion-dollar crop, as it was predicted on the cover of Popular Science magazine, if that happened, 
William Randolph Hearst would, I mean, he would have been fucked. He would have had to spend millions of dollars converting his newspapers to hemp paper. So he was like, fuck it. I'll just write evil shit about marijuana. I'll just call it marijuana. So it wasn't even about going after the drug. It was about going after the what the fibers of the plant do. That's a conspiracy theory right there. It is. And can you imagine? It's that was all during the 30s and 40s. Can you imagine that there had to be some people that were thought of as some tinfoil hat wearing mm -hmm. conspiracy theorists that are saying that weed is actually not, doesn't make you do all these crazy things that mm -hmm. they're putting in the movies and with all this reefer matter propaganda. There was people, those people must have been, uh, they looked so goddamn crazy well, back then. Well, even today people try to debunk this. I've, I've, yeah. People have said that to me and they sent me to a website dude that's been debunked sorry what was like, debunked that that William Randolph Hearst uh, had, had set up marijuana for and worked with um, what was the guy's name Harry Anslinger Harry Anslinger but it's not, it hasn't been debunked not only has it not been debunked William Randolph Hearst was a notable cunt like everybody knew he was a cunt Orson Welles made a movie about what a cunt he was Who's, who's protecting fucking William Randolph Hearst? Well, they Come just, on. it's the same mentality. It's the same mentality <laughs> yeah. we were talking it's about the before. Same it's they the don't, same people. They believe 100% of uh -huh. the official exactly. stories. Exactly. It's people those people, 100%. Lee Harvey 100%, Oswald acted alone. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Uh, I'm 100% for 100%. The Lee I, Harvey Oswald one. Whatever they so say, strange. I'm going with it. Yeah. They would never lie. Well, people, you know, it's, it's hard because some people automatically gravitate towards conspiracies some people automatically gravitate towards well when they're criminals towards the official story yeah. but i think a lot of times the story so the reality somewhere in the middle and it's yeah. it's hard to find the reality depending on the conspiracy theory you can't just say that about it that's With true 9 11 there's so there's so much shit and all like i said people think however crazy they think it is Iran Contra was just as crazy. Everyone thought yeah, they were crazy. It's real. And they got busted. But got the, busted. the William Randolph first thing, here's why it really can't be totally debunked. First of all, we don't really know. We weren't there. So it's, it's, it's very difficult to prove, and it's very difficult to dip, disprove. But one thing we do know, he definitely did print stories about this drug that everyone yeah. was terrified of. Yeah, he definitely did contribute to the, the making of reefer madness. I'm almost positive of that. We got, that did he have something proof to do. that he okayed that story? Did you story? find out William Randolph first had anything to do with the funding of the movie Reefer Madness? We need a memo where he okays that story. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where he signed well, off on it. But here's <laughs> the, other a, the, the other aspect of it that we didn't talk about. This, the timing of this is right after Prohibition ended. So prohibition was a boon to law enforcement. They were constantly working. They were arresting people, locking people up. And then on top of that, organized crime emerges in a huge way. I mean, that's where Al Capone got all his money. That's where the Kennedys got their fucking money. Also, it's all from running booze, man. So there's all these people that are illegally running booze and they're making crazy money and they wind up in positions of power and even wind up having their fucking children become president. Yep. That's the real story of the United States is that Kennedy's fucking parents were drug runners. Yep. Their drug was just a liquid drug. It's just as just the same as running coke. Just the same as as, as growing weed yeah, right now they're today. All, they're all criminals. It's all and, and JFK and his brother Robert. They something turned them, and they decided they're going to try to save the world. Maybe that's, that's yeah, something turned I mean, them. They well, thought they knows? could trust him because one thing's for sure: he was an extreme. He was like Bill Clinton when it came to girls. Yeah, they thought they had him in the bag. They thought he wouldn't. He, he totally just stay in line. And uh, they had to get rid of him. Everybody. I so mean, they, you, that's interesting. So they probably like have a guy like that. They get him in the office and go, listen, dude, we know you're a freak. Just shut okay. the fuck up. Just, fuck as many as you want. Yeah. We'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep you protected or 
Yeah. You know, shit's gonna get ugly. Sign a couple bills. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, Sign yeah, a little listen. trade agreement, What's whatever. What's big deal? We're gonna Just invade the Congo. Don't mess with this side. Yeah. Just, you could do a little trade agreement with Mexico and all that, but. It's very, who knows? It's it's very intriguing when you start looking at possibilities turned. like that. Because it comes intriguing. from a criminal family. So, you know, it's very obvious. They're all gangsters. They they, they turn, they try to change the world. Yeah. So, and then they had to get rid of them. It's just like, it's like, you know, so you got gangster one hundred and one. Yeah. So you go, and then you got the gangsters who are the police officers who are arresting people for booze. Okay. Because let's yeah. be honest, it's not the cops that are the gangsters, but the people that are telling the cops where to go for sure are gangsters. Why are they tell? Why is it out in the first place? Like who the fuck? Who says you can't have whiskey? What, what kind of bitches are we? We're supposed to be America. Someone's going to come along and say you can't have a drink? How about fuck you? That doesn't make any sense. You can't drink? So I'm supposed to just live my life by your fucking wacky rules? I like drinking. Alcohol drinking should, is fun. Uh, it's so much fun. I, it should be illegal. It should be. I'd be all for <laughs> uh, making it illegal. It'd be cool to drink it like a... Uh, back in the 20s or 30s, whenever that was. Like no, we'd have organized crime would be even bigger, man. That shit becomes <laughs> dangerous. Look, I mean, Jack Dude, Daniels. beers on the corner. Here's, here's a perfect example. Jack Daniels has been around forever, right? They sell whiskey, super popular everywhere. I, I drink Jack Daniels on a regular basis, right? That company's not evil. They're not killing anybody. Jack Daniels isn't fucking gunning people down the street. Jack Daniels isn't taking over new territories. Jack Daniels isn't fucking burrowing holes underneath prisons and digging people the out. Corpora but, the corporation that owns. Would. Yeah, but the corporation that owns Jack Daniels probably is. I don't know if the corporation <laughs> is even Jack Daniels itself. It might just be Jack Daniels Distillery. No, I, I don't know. I, I think someone took that. that shit over. Come on. Who cares? Who cares? My point is that Jack Daniels isn't an evil company, they can make money. If you can make money doing shit like that, then there's less of a, a criminal element to it. It's a safe company. Yeah. Like all, there's a lot of bad shit that gets done by people who are drunk on Jack Daniels, for sure. But Jack Daniels, the company, is not like Al Capone. That's my point. It's like when you let, let companies sell things legally, you get the tax benefit from it, and the companies aren't filled with criminals. Because the only people that are willing to run heroin are going to be crazy fuckers like that guy from Breaking Bad. Yeah. That's going to be the people that are going to be running heroin. They're going to be out of their fucking mind. Those are the people that you're going to get. But if it was legal, you're going to get Bill Gates. You know? I mean, if it's legal, fucking... How many rock stars have their own whiskey or tequila or some shit like that? There's a bunch of those guys. So rappers, they always have their yeah. own tequila or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like, everybody's got their own shit. Like, it's okay. They're legal drug dealers. But yeah. as long as you're making money legally, paying taxes, the whole thing... It's across... It's above board. No one cares. It's like... It's proof positive that drugs should be legal. Because alcohol is one of the fucking worst. The one of the worst for your body. Worse than cocaine. Most likely the worse than cocaine. The traffic accidents. Oh, are, there cars, are there cars out there that won't turn on yes. if the driver's drunk? My friend had one. Wow. My friend in Colorado had one. He, uh, he got a D he's a buddy of mine from New York, moved to Colorado. What kind of car is that? Well, he had to use it for work. He got a DUI. It's not, the car's not unique. It's a setup on the ignition. They have a, a, a thing built into the ignition. The ignition will, will not start unless he blows, uh, he has to blow a blood alcohol content, then he has to wait a few minutes. And it won't, it won't fire up for him if he's drunk. That's brilliant. Yeah. That should be mandatory. It's a good idea. Yeah. But it's not, it's not convenient. At least his wasn't. His says it takes a few minutes. And I'm like, dude, that's got to suck in the snow. Because it's Colorado. I mean, he yeah. lives in Denver. Those drunk driving schools, they, they don't want that to pass. They're trying to stop. <laughs> They're lobbying against uh, it. <laughs> They're holding it back. Schools. They probably would have had them a long time ago, but the drunk driving topless schools, they all got together. Well, what's going to save that is these fucking Google cars. These, uh, like the Tesla that can drive itself. That's going to save all that how, shit. How does that work? 
They work on sensors. They already work on sensors. Like it's it's fairly common now that a, a, your car will know when you're going across lines. Now, have you ever noticed that? Like uh, there's a lot of cars. Like um, I had an Infinity. It did it. it was they sort it was of annoying. drive themselves. No, but it lets you know if you're crossing a line. It gives you like a dee, 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 oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Cadillac has one. It's weird, man. They, they, have you seen those new Cadillac Escalades? Uh-uh. Dude, those things are dope. I rent one of those everywhere I go. I love those things. I love. First of all, I love them because I'm an old Italian man. How much they so cost? I love, it's a fucking Cadillac. A good. Uh, they're probably. They're probably in the high sixties, maybe in the seventies of thousand dollars. They're not cheap, but they're not cheaply made either. They're fucking badass. I rent them all the time. I love them. They're so smooth too, dude. They have this like magnetic ride control suspension, so like it just floats over everything. You get this great view of everything. Everything I'm. Every time I'm in one, I'm like, why don't I drive one of these every day? But they have this thing in the seat where if you get close to the edge, it vibrates on your thigh, on your left thigh. So like if you're getting close to the edge of the lines, like where the lines are, it lets you know, hey, 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 bitch, get over here. It's really Hmm. weird. Hmm. It's real weird. If you're backing up. Like, you, you give you like a little vibrate if you get too close to things. So it's not just looking. You're not get, just seeing it in a camera or hearing it in beeps that, like, get close. You know how they have those? And some BMWs, they have that beep, 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 beep. Like, yeah, yeah. the closer you get to the thing, it lets you, hey, bet you're going to hit this fucking thing. Yeah. Um, not only does the Cadillac do that, but it vibrates your seat. It lets you know, like, where it is. Like, if you're about to hit something on the right-hand side, your right thigh will start vibrating. It's really weird. Hmm. It's fucking trippy. Hmm. I don't remember what my point was. Talking about cars. Oh, so that's how they, they use some sort of cameras to see those lanes. Hmm. So they know when you're out of lanes. Because even if the road curves, they know. They know if you keep going straight and the road curves, bitch, what the fuck are you doing? And they also have this thing called, um, it's a, it's, uh, you know how you have cruise control, like regular cruise control? This is a laser, a laser distance detecting cruise control. So like say if your car, this is pretty common now too. If your car is ahead of mine and I set my cruise control for 65 miles an hour, <laughs> if you slow down, my car slows down too. If you speed up, my car speeds up. I don't have to touch shit. Mm. You just put your hands on the steering wheel. It Dude. slows down for you. It speeds up for you. You know anybody who buys a car like that is going to sign a fucking stack of waivers like a <laughs> notebook. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? Yeah. Come on. Can you imagine the fucking mm-hmm. accidents? Holy well, shit. Well, this is what they're saying. They're saying the Google cars have only had a couple accidents. And they've Ooh. been running them through San Francisco for a while. Damn. But people, have, I wonder how much the Google car accidents have been Google's fault. It's so hard to drive. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so hard, man. I want my arms down. You still got to sit down. It's so comfortable. But, but do, you, do you really not like driving? I would rather have a driver, but I don't, want, I don't trust a car. It's too unpredictable. You got to make some razor sharp decisions on the, on the true, highway. Right? There's a lot of, it's not, it doesn't have every situation programmed in right. the car. There's all these weird, awkward situations where you're just driving and you could have avoided it if you would have had control. But are those weird, awkward situations occurring because people are retarded? Like, if everybody had a driver car, a car, a car that drove itself, maybe those would just vanish. And maybe you would get, like, a, a green light when you get on the road. How much you smoke, man? A lot. <laughs> but maybe. Think maybe. about it. Because, like, when you, when you watch, like, I, I watched this girl texting the other day on her phone. And it was so frustrating. Because we were on the highway. We were going, like, 65 miles an hour. And a couple of times she came close to my lane. And whenever someone does that, I go, oh, I guarantee you they're fucking with their phone. And I look over and this girl's doing this shit. 
Everybody does that shit, man. It's no, scary. I don't do that. I don't scary. do that. No, I don't do that. I leave my fucking phone on the, on the passenger seat. I take it. I put it over there. I'm not fucking with that thing. But you'll talk and drive though. I'll talk and drive on my phone. On my, yeah. I press a button on the steering wheel. Yeah, that's not bad. Like, because it's going through the Bluetooth. You can have a little conversation. It's like you you can see everything. It's like having a conversation with a dude who's sitting next to you. It's totally normal. Is it legal to? Because it's illegal to text or to do anything on your phone. That's mm-hmm. illegal, right? Yes. Is it illegal to? Uh, go through your CDs or go through your uh, your uh, stations on your sa- on your satellite. You, no, you, 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 do, you can't you do can, this, yes. but you can do this. You can press the 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 thing on your t- your car that's stationary. It's like locked in. But if you have something in your hand, you start pressing that to make your music come on. Which all my music is on my iPhone. My I carry everything on my iPhone. I carry all my music. Yeah, yeah. I never have an I used to have an iPod connector yeah, in my no car. No one does that. I never does there, yeah. I, I still have it in my uh, my BMW. Still has yeah. a little iPod connector. I still have mm-hmm. iPods. Why though? My fucking phone is a hundred and something gigs. Like there's no way I need all that. Yeah. Like you'd have to have every. How could you listen to all that? You greedy bitch. You just you have to be a crazy person. Yeah. I think people are now, since we went to we're like it seems like we're uh, more and more just. Using our laptops less and our phones way more, right? Yeah, oh, it way seems more. like that, right? Way more. So I think that's great for music. Oh right? yeah, because listening to music on your computer is not as cool as being out and about oh, yeah. on your phone, you know, with headsets and you could be draw, you know, you no, could go in on the airport music. Well, no, that you can send me. You've sent me songs. Yeah, and I listened to them right when you sent me them. Yeah, like literally, there's no delay at all. Yeah, like how you crazy sent is that? me some of your shit and I press play and I'm listening to it in my car. And in then you seconds. threw up. No, it was good, dude. <laughs> but in seconds, in seconds, like I mean, you could yeah. you could ask Siri. Now, I, I'm going to st- stop this because people are getting mad at me for saying this because it makes your phone go off. All right. If you say H-E-Y-S-I-R-I and you say those things together, it'll, you can ask it things. Like, it'll transcribe things for you. It transcribes for me accidentally. Just uh-huh. like I look down, the phone is, like, taking every word that I said accidentally because I said those words during a podcast or something that sounded enough like it. Mm-hmm. But when you have that, when you, when you do something like that, you could tell it, hey, download me Smoke Serpent. Uh, hey, uh, go to Eddie Bravo Radio number three. And it'll fucking yeah. find it on the yeah. Internet and play it for you. Dude, it's crazy. Yeah, that's what we were talking about before before we started the podcast was my music conspiracy theory. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, okay, what's your music conspiracy <laughs> my, this theory? Does is, it involve Donald this is just This is just me uh, smoking a lot of weed and saying stupid shit. But it seems that all, the record companies in the record business have always, always ripped off the artists, the artists never make the, all of them. When you look at documentaries, every band the same thing. They're right. getting ripped off. If you watch that Eagles documentary, it's amazing. I'm not an Eagles fan. I'll never buy an Eagles CD, but I respect Dude, the how, shit how out of them. You. I respect the shit Years out of them. on the ceiling. I I respect Thanks the shit out of them, and they do got some good stuff. But I'm just not that 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 kind of southern rock. Thing. We're all just prisoners here. I, I of love our own device. Yeah, I love uh, the story. Shit, the documentary, the story of how they got together and and their dynamics, and when they broke up and got back together and shit. Dude, the Eagles story is amazing. You don't like Hotel California? It's all right. God, it's not damn, my dude. Too many strippers dance to it. <laughs> 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 
but the story and then you watch a like 30 seconds to Mars documentary and right. like uh, the record company is suing him for like yeah, 30 million yeah explain that because that is, that's Jared Leto right yeah. that's the yeah. actor he yeah. also has a band yeah. and his band had a deal with a record company mm-hmm. and it all fucking went they just didn't get paid basically it just they just never got paid they were huge uh, they got a couple of really good songs that Echelon is one of my all-time favorite songs. But anyways, uh, you watch so, that documentary, and it, it's always the same thing. The record company doesn't have money. They're not going to pay. We had to pay all this shit for you. We bought your fucking video. We paid for your goddamn producer. You got to pay that shit back, and you better fucking get on the road, motherfucker. You owe, you owe us money. It. You owe us money. This is the movie Artifact? Yeah. Artifacts, sometimes we must fight in order to be free. Okay, I got something to watch on the plane. It's on Netflix is that 30 right minutes, Seconds of Mars? Yeah, that's the one. It's is really it on good. iTunes? Yeah, well, it definitely was on iTunes and everything to buy okay. for about a year. Yeah. You got to give it up Netflix. to Jared Leto because he's the only guy on the planet that's a legitimate musician rock star. Legitimate, where he has millions of fans. They sold millions of records. And he's a very successful actor, too. Mm. You could almost say maybe he's reaching that A-list. Jared Leto is a famous oh, yeah. dude. Nobody else has done that. Music and acting that huge? Yeah. You got to give it up. And they got a couple really good songs. I'm not a gigantic 30 Seconds of Mars fan, but Echelon and The Mission, absolutely fantastic songs. So they... Uh, they- Got a record deal and just we're not getting any money. Yeah, you know I forget the details, but they so just, then they went to court over it. Is so that they weren't getting any. No, what happened is they weren't getting any money, and Jared Leto said, "I'm fucking out this motherfucker. You guys right. are. You guys owe us so much shit. He wasn't gonna say shit, so he just said, "I'm gonna make an album some on my own. Fuck this. Right? I mean, we're we're selling millions of records. We don't have anything. Right? And they're not giving us. They're not paying us. Right? So. The record company goes, oh, you think you could just do that? Like, the record, the contract was over, like, in six months. Really, they could have just waited it out, but he just started working on a new album. So, fuck that. Record company goes, oh, you're working on an album? That's our album. You know what I mean? Something like that. Something like uh, that where they ended up you... suing them. You think you could just walk away from us? How about we're going to come after you and for $30 million? Dude, I have a friend who works. She's a receptionist. She was a receptionist. She got fired. She's working for some company that makes TV shows or some shit. And they knew that she was a comedian. You know, she's an amateur comedian. And so while she was working with them, she developed this idea for some pilot with her and her friend, who was also a comedian. So then all of a sudden, the company she's working for wanted her to sign some intellectual property agreement. And anything she came up with when she was working there would be theirs. Yeah. And they literally said to her, while you work here, we own your brain. Yeah. Could you just imagine how crazy that is. Like she's yeah. a she's a fucking receptionist comedian, a funny comedian too. Yeah. And she's trying to make it. You know, she's out there hustling. And the company that she works for that doesn't need they they make TV shows. Yeah. You know, they they're not using her in that regard. Yeah. They're using her as a receptionist. They just decide that somehow or another they're gonna figure out a way to steal from her. Yeah. They're gonna tap into her creativity and we make some money. We own your ideas. But imagine that you're paying someone like dog shit money. Yeah. You're paying someone like receptionist pay and you want to own their dream, yeah. their dream of a show. Yeah. That's fucking yeah. dirty. That's every, dirty every, and scary. Every band goes through the same shit. It's it's like the record company is owned by gangsters themselves and they go they're going to and when you sign a contract, you don't give a fuck. You're just this kid from the small town, your band got big, you got it. you're in Hollywood now. You're going to sign the goddamn deal. You yep. don't even care. You know you're getting ripped off. Yep. It's so why it's so known that like everybody knows in the music business, you don't make any money on your first album or two. They'll make it so that you'll start making money on your third or fourth al- al- album. Uh that's where you're going to get a bigger cut, but that fir- first album or two, you ain't going to make shit. And you know what? It's better it's good business to just when it's time for you to make the good money, now nah, we're just going to leave you on your own and find 
find a new artist. We always need to keep bringing the new ones. There's always new R&B artists. There's always new rappers. There's always new ones. There's new ones coming in. New rock bands. They're always coming in. 95% of them are going to fail, and they won't never make it to their third album, but they got them coming in. That's they the got deep coming conspiracy, in. right? Because they all make the money in their second and third albums, and the first And the album, record company just leaves them. Just gets rid of Unless it's like an anomaly where you have a Depeche Mode or U2 where they get fucking massive, and they could just sustain a career, and 20 years into their career, they write fucking beautiful day and yeah. that's like a smash hit yeah. you know once you're like that then at at the after like 10 15 years you 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 own your own shit and you realize okay i'm gonna do my own shit here mm-hmm. but then get the majors to distribute it i'll use their distribution like what dr Dre did you know well, how I mean? about what prince did he had to use a fake it, name he dude, couldn't even use a name that's, now looking back everyone thought prince was crazy prince is a fucking genius, genius. He came up he with a symbol. He came the artist formerly sins. known as Prince. He's not yeah. Prince anymore. Nobody could say his shit. He loved he it. Nobody could it. say the band. Yeah. They kn- <laughs> he well, can't say it. He proved a point, too. Bitch, you're coming to see me. They're coming yeah. to see me. They're not, they don't give a fuck if I'm with Warner Brothers or A&M or, yeah. you know, that's all nonsense. They just stole. They were stealing. Yeah. You know, they're trying to do that in the world of podcasting. There's a, there's a lot of that going on in the world of podcasting where companies are coming in. They're trying to own half of podcasts and put you on a network. It's like mm. really common. It's been mm. a lot of a lot of that been going on where they're yeah. trying to scoop up podcasts because podcasts is such a simple model. I and mean, you mm. have one. You know how it is. Yeah. You take it, you record it, you upload it on on i uh, iTunes with some sort of a, a server. Like, Easy. It's not not difficult. Like you mm-hmm. know, use someone like a service like Libsyn is what we use. That they they're actually in the podcast distribution business. And once you do that, I mean, that's basically it. That's all you have to do. That's not a lot. If someone like Radiolab or like Hardcore History is a perfect example, he's almost always like in the top three or four whenever he releases something new. Mm-hmm. Maybe sometimes often one, number one. I've seen him one a couple times. It's just a dude and a producer putting together a history podcast. Yeah. That's and it. look at your podcast. You had a direct impact on what's going on with marijuana today. Ten years ago? Before this podcast, it's like, it's, I think you are the biggest spokesmodel, or not spokesmodel, spokesperson, <laughs> spokesperson for, for, uh, for getting people to open their eyes, you know? Cause you, I don't know about all that, but I think the internet is, and I think I'm on the internet. That's what I think it is. Cause I'm, it's, these aren't all my ideas. These are ideas that I've gotten from reading all sorts of crazy shit that gets sent me all the time, reading different you're tweets. You're the messenger. Reading, yeah. Well, talking about, uh, you, we're all, we're all like conduits. We're all like rivers. You know, like some 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 of us, we tap into like a big ocean of information, and we could shuttle that shit downstream. That's really what it is. So what, it, what it, when you get a podcast, or if, you know, like someone sends me interesting shit on Twitter, I I retweet things all day long, all day long. I always look at something, I'll read it for a few minutes if it, if it seems interesting, I retweet it. And that's why people say like, "Are you endorsing things?" And you retweet. I'm just it, I found it interesting. Make your own goddamn conclusions. If I write, if I, if something is totally ridiculous, like some Christian guy thinks that uh, gays are responsible for the drought, I will fucking retweet that. Doesn't mean I believe that. All right, I just think like, ah, look at this guy. I don't have time to like go through all the information with people, but I like the fact that I'm this sort of portal. So because of that, I, I feel like, um, you know, I, I get privy to or I get access to a lot of information that I might not have ever sought out myself it gets sent to me it's really cool and then I do the same thing you know I talk about it on here and then we'll sit around we'll try to think about it we'll try to break it down or figure out what's that's it's just another another river of the internet that's what it is 
This is all some new thing that's happening to the human race. Yeah. But the human race gets to discuss things. And the, uh, once the internet blew up, that's when the music business supposedly went down. And maybe it did go down because record sales definitely went down. They disappeared, but right? It, pretty much. We, all Tower Records closed down. Virgin Records closed Isn't that down. Nuts? It's Virgin crazy. Virgin closed crazy, down. Crazy. But it's the same owners of these record companies. They always told the artists they weren't making money. Now, this is my conspiracy theory. Now, oh, I think the music business is bigger than fucking ever what? with the internet. They're not selling CDs. They're not selling solid product. But I think they're making so much more goddamn money than ever before. And why should they tell anybody? Oh, no, you know what? The record business sucks. So now, now you just want to get a record. Where are they making the money from? Online. People, yeah, but most no, no, of the people, stuff is being sold through what? iTunes? Is that the number one? It, the the thing is, yes, people do steal music. Wait a minute, what are you saying? No, no, I'm talking. About, I'm, I'm giving the whole overall scope. Is that people do steal music? I know that, but I think when you go the old way, where you're the only way you're going to get a CD is through the actual distribution. You can't reach fucking but a fraction of the world. Unless you're gigantic and you go, unless you're one of the big bands, very hard. You got to have a physical copy. But yes, we're not selling CDs anymore. But now we have the whole art, the whole world, and they could buy it instantly. I mean, I can easily. I'm okay with computers. I'm like a blue belt in computers. I'm sure I could find a place where I can get free stuff. But iTunes is so convenient. I got an iPhone. I'm buying all my old vinyl stuff, and and it's in my phone. I think more than ever now. Now that we're a phone culture, I think music is bigger than ever now i love music i'm so passionate about music i'm always hunting it's easier to find stuff satellite radio right. with shazam shazam is huge anytime at a, i think now more than ever i think i think the music is getting really good there's a lot of good artists out there and i think i don't know it sucked for a while but i think there's gonna there's a, a gonna be a new explosion of how we get and we get our music the record business aren't important anymore What's important is music. We, yes. What's important is music producers mm -hmm. and, and, and artists. And everyone's That's producing it. their own stuff. And you can distribute yep. stuff in a unique SoundCloud. way. Yeah. It's a totally different yeah. animal now. Yeah, I just so I, I make a music, I make a song. I'm, I, I, like if an uh, independent label wanted to sign me as a producer or whatever, I would never take like an independent label. I would take some deal that was a huge deal that was life-changing. But for me to, it's just way easier just to do whatever I want to do, not have to worry about anybody and just put whatever I want yeah, whenever I want I don't have any deadline soon as you start getting deadlines and someone owns a piece of my motherfucking mm -hmm. music yeah. I don't know about that not just know. a piece yeah. but most Some independent of label well, you know, no one's heard of it's dude, gotta be a huge label for me to Honey Honey had a problem with one of their last uh, songs they had this last album there's this one song that I loved and I'm like why isn't that song on your album and even though they wrote that song they produced it it was all theirs the record company wanted to own it yeah. So it's like, oh, Jesus. So they just decided to not put it on there. I'm like, that is crazy. That is crazy. They just want to own yeah. it. Someone else owns well, some How shit. crazy is that, though? Your, you your write song. it, yeah. you sing it, you mm -hmm. write it, you sing it, you you experiment with it, you change it, you And some dudes it, you don't know own, own it. it all. They yeah. own it. They're, yeah. It's crazy. theirs. They yeah. want it. They didn't yeah. even pay anything for it. Yeah. They don't want to pay you for it. They just yeah. want it. It's part of the deal. Give me So it. it's like, what what... Whoa. What exactly are the record companies needed for? What are they needed for? But you know what's going on is is the music video, MTV no longer exists as a music video TV station. What right? are they now? They just do it like a regular channel now. That's so weird. But um, they might show videos a, a little bit here and there. I don't even pay attention no more. But, but uh, why are... Th 
uh, record labels still making these huge, big budget music videos because now everyone they do they go to Vivo or YouTube. People love watching music videos mm-hmm. now. It's easier you can watch a music video now on your phone mm-hmm. before you had to watch it on MTV. How are you going to get MTV on your phone now? So it's like a resurgence of music videos. They're huge mm-hmm. and and music is so easy to listen to and share and buy and Shazam and spread yeah. amongst. Oh, what, the music uh, industry thrives on niches and you know metal people and R and B people. R and B people aren't trying to sell music to these white kids that are in the insane clown posse. You know what I mean? It, it, the music music industry is all about: do you know your niche and and are you selling to the right market? And that's what the internet has become. So for music, I think I don't think the internet killed music. I think it's gonna. It's gonna. Exp- I think it's exploding right uh, it now. It only killed these parasitic music companies. That's what it killed. Yeah, exactly. That's what exactly. It the people ripping it off. Anymore. Most people are buying their well, they shit. Well, they were they were the they were distributors. That's all they were. Yep. They were distributors and publicists. Yes. Now the publicism or the publicist, the best version of it is social media. The yeah. best version of it is having a good connection with the fans on social media and. People finding out about your shit and they spread it virally. That's yeah. that's the best way to do it. Yeah. That's and without, I mean, then then the what happens is these companies, like these big record companies, they essentially become publicists. We own your Twitter. Yeah. Well, we they own do your that. Twitter. Well, I we, told you what happened with Arsenio Hall. Well, they tried to do that with me, man. They tried like, to they, own your Twitter. They tried Ooh. to. They tried to post on it. One of the TV shows I was doing. It was one of the Can uh, we borrow requests. Your account? They wanted to uh, have access to my social media. They wanted to use my Twitter and my Facebook. Oh shit! And I, I was ready. I was like, "Fuck you!" There's no way. Yeah, you could do that to like a fan page type deal. You know what I mean? Like some like an extra one that I'm not really paying. I'm not paying any attention. You uh, create your own one. You could do that shit. But if you sign off on that, it's still no good. Like, really? you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you don't you don't know what the fuck they're push they're putting up there unless you approve each and every message. Mm-hmm. You know, the best way to do it would be. You tell me what you want me to say. What are you trying to get me to say? And I'll tell you whether or not that's ever going to happen. And if you if you want to say something in my voice, like it's what they're trying to do, I'm like, you're yeah. fucking crazy. Yeah. You're crazy because I'm, I'm not going to agree. Hey, you guys should tune in to blah, blah, blah on primetime at 8. Amazing. Like, it would be cool if you guys tweeted this. Like, what, are you out of your mind? You think I'm going to tweet promotions for other shows or live tweet things that you've got going on or get involved with your fucking shark week or whatever the fuck it is. Like, that kind of crazy talk. Like, that's what happens when you become a part of a network. You you also become, like, involved in promos, and they want to, like, they owned Arsenio Hall's Facebook. He couldn't couldn't get his Facebook back. When he did that Arsenio, the resurgence of the Arsenio Hall did show. Did he own it before on his own? It was his. It was his. It was his. But to do the new show that was part of the deal, they wanted to take over his fucking Facebook. That's crazy. That's what they do. That's what they do. Because that's all the power. You blow up some artists, like Rihanna's mm-hmm. Twitter, she can, just based on her Twitter, she can make or break bands. Or not really break them, she can make them. Yeah, you know? she can do incredible stuff. You know? By herself, million. she has all the power. So yeah. if she loses the label mm-hmm. just with that Twitter, Oh yeah, she owns her own shit. Oh, and Instagram and all those things. That's all you need I to bet, do. I bet uh, uh, a lot of the deals now are, I think, Oh, the power are. is going back to the people. Everything's oh, being set up, and yeah. record labels are probably fumbling. But they're still you know, trying to jack young artists. They still try to do shit, and, like and they're this. making all that online money. Yeah, There's, I don't. I don't know how much money that is. I would. Jamie, I, what is the everything diff- online is a lot. I know, but I mean, I want to know like if if there's ever been a study on what percentage of music gets purchased online, and how much of it just gets downloaded illegally. Like, what do you think the the ratio is? 
I you, think most people you buy had a guess. it. With Spotify coming in now and people paying for that, they can track that. And people pay, and it's high. And that's, that's problematic. That's, uh, in a lot of ways, a lot like a record company because that's one of the big complaints that artists have had about Spotify is that they don't get paid enough money from it. That's like Taylor yeah, Swift's yeah. complaint about it. Oh, and, really? They're yeah. complaining? Yeah, yeah. They, well, they're, you know, I think they're trying to get into the podcast world too. But the, the point is like, all they're, they're like, they're an aggregator, right? They're a portal for something like mm -hmm. how much money should a portal make i mean what yeah. percentage should a portal make and what percentage should taylor yeah. swift make yeah taylor so, swift should make almost everything yeah slowly Pharrell, but, look at this pharrell made only two thousand seven hundred dollars in songwriter royalties from 43 million plays of happy on pandora what the wow. fuck <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck man holy shit that's like an onion sketch you know i mean that's like something the onion would write for an article. you know how big you have to be to make any kind of money twenty two thousand seven hundred dollars twenty seven hundred dollars for 43 million plays you know what someone's gonna start God. someone's gotta start like a pandora that's actually a musician like an open source you know. thing. yeah and say listen they we're did? gonna do what this is it? it's called title jay-z and a bunch of other i wouldn't say all hip-hop artists started it but they started something very similar Higher quality downloads. It's you can pay ten dollars a month or twenty dollars a month. Uh, that's where that one Beyonce concert was for in uh, Central Park. It was a special title concert. That's where you watched it. So oh. the artists make more money. Supposedly they, they make more money, but there was some backlash when that came out. That art, there were people or fans were saying Everybody like, "Why do you need more money? money? You already have money. Let's let uh, like uh, independent artists get a chance to make some money." It's really. What is he getting all the money from it, or I, is it? I don't quite. But little by little, you see what see what, yeah. what what appears to be happening is little by little, the artist is now because of the internet is slowly the shift. The power is going back to them. Yes. Yeah, because once an hour, once you have followers and you can you can contact your fans, you needed the record company to contact your fans. How else are you going to contact your fans? We don't even have cell phones back then. Exactly. Well, you need us. To, exactly. to put you on the radio. Get now, you on the, and the, the radio had like really strict rules. Like yeah. they had really strict relationships. Radio's lost all their power too, man. They're, they're cutting budgets left and right, firing people. You know, Kevin and Bean are good friends of mine. I do their show. That's like the only, the last terrestrial radio show I do. They're really nice guys, and I do their show. And last time I was there, Bean was there. And he was telling me like they meet with like the upper management, but they're all, everyone's negative. It's all down. It's all downer. No one's like, you guys are doing great. It's such an uh, enjoyable show. Really appreciate that we're all working together everyone's just like fuck we got to fire people we got to cut time it's like that business is it's, it's a it's a it's a kind of a dying business mm -hmm. it's like morse code because just now that you have your ago. music on your phone yeah. instead i remember it seems like just yesterday where i'm driving around i always had 55 cds in the back of my car people stepping on them there's always yeah. cds and once every couple weeks i gotta fucking organize my shit there's just cds now everywhere it's just in your my phone car. it's just it. your phone it's so much easier yeah and to it's go on through demand instantaneously anything you want you could always if you don't have something on itunes or whatever you could always go to youtube yeah. and listen to it on youtube no it's incredible yeah. it's an amazing time for that and now and people these guys that were like radio DJs are essentially what made them cool was their personalities. But when you get trapped in a DJ gig like that, you know, people get little snippets of your personality and your thought process on things, and then you play another song. And like, I think for those guys, it's, it's like they would be way better served without a radio show. They'd be way better served just talking about shit. Because that's what people enjoy about them. Anybody could play those same records. Mm -hmm. You could have a robot voice that plays the same records. So the people that are tuning in just for the music, I gotta pee. go ahead, do it, brother. The people that are tuning in just for the music, 
those people are going to tune in no matter what. That's what they want to hear. They don't care about the personalities. But the personalities, like guys like Kevin and Bean, they're fun dudes. They're interesting guys. And that's what is interesting about that show. Like they would almost be better served if the radio station fired them and they had to go and do an internet show. Because if they did an internet show, it would just be them talking about stuff and it would be great. I mean, it would just be a podcast. These, I think, for the longest time, it was fucking really hard to get the internet on your phone. You know, you had to download shit. It was, and then 3G came around. It got a little bit better. But then 4G LTE came around. It's like, that shit is fast as fuck. Instantaneous streaming. Like, if you want to listen to a song, there's almost never a hiccup. It's really easy and really quick to do. That's, a, that's such a game changer, man. That's so... If those, if those DJs are like a curator, though, where is it? Where's the, where do you find your new music these days? Like, uh... That, because that's kind of like if you're if you're considered yourself, I guess like the Twitter curator for sort of that kind of content and yeah, know, that's that a really news, really like, good where point. You find new music. That's a really good point. That's why I'm so out of the fucking loop. I don't know anything. People tell me about some guy like you know Eddie was talking about that King Daddy guy. Never heard of him until he talked I about him. I think it's him. Daddy Yankee, and it's just a Daddy Yankee. Yeah. Okay, well whatever. I never heard of that either. Yeah. <laughs> but think about that. You know Eddie found out. He's like, I can't believe this guy's huge. I just found out from him in real time on the show. Like, there's so many people that no one has ever heard of that are gigantic. Music. Yeah. 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 We're talking about that King Daddy guy. Like, yeah. I didn't find out about it until you just said it. Yeah. He's huge. He's massive. Heard. He's playing the Staples Center. It That's looked crazy. like a movie. Staples Center. Right. King Daddy. Yeah. Come on. That sounds like a Chris Rock movie. Well, it's, a, it's just an amazing time. It's an amazing time. It's an amazing time for promotion. It's an amazing time for, you know, it's an amazing time to do podcasts. I mean, podcast. This is the craziest time ever for podcasts. It's this new thing. I mean, we've been we've been doing it for six years. Next month, it'll be December, like December thirtieth or something like that. It was six years. In that time, podcasts have gone from being some shit that people did for a goof to one of the ways, one of the few ways that I get entertainment. It's like one of the major ways. My major ways are like Walking Dead, like shows like that that I'll watch at home. Hunting shows, <laughs> MMA fights, and podcasts. Those, it's a major part of like what I listen to. Not my own shit, but like uh, Radio Lab, the TED Radio, the TED Podcast Hour, uh, Hardcore History, Ari's show, Joey's show. There's all these podcasts to listen to. There's always entertainment, always, constantly. It's constant mm-hmm. entertainment. And mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many fucking people I've talked to that say, hey, man, listen to your show because your show, we start our own podcast. Like, anybody can do it. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why not? If it's good, if you have one person take a fucking chance on your podcast, one person, and they go, that's pretty fucking good, and they send it to their friend, dude, listen to these guys shoot the shit about shit. Like, we saw it the other day when we were talking about um, Josh Olin, who uh, we had it on the podcast. We both watched a podcast that had, like, 2,000 downloads on YouTube, maybe, but, and it was over a year ago. And Jamie and I both watched it. We both watched it because we wanted to see these guys take on it. So these guys take on it, which was intelligent. They're funny guys. They, they, were, they, were, they had good points. They, they gave us like an insight into it. Through, now, because of that, I'll see that podcast and I'll go, oh, these guys. I remember these guys. And that's what people do. And then do, 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 do. Next thing you know, you got 100,000 downloads a month. I mean, that's, that's not unusual. 
That's like that's super possible and plausible now. All you have to do is focus on something and put together something that's really good and unusual. Like we all have friends, like my friend Dave Dolan, who just died. Let me tell you something. If that motherfucker was alive, if he lived in L.A., I'd have him on the podcast every week. I'm kicking myself that I never had him on while he was alive, but he, he never comes to L.A. That guy would be hilarious on a podcast. If someone gave him a podcast like the fucking Investigator Chronicles, the Private Investigator Chronicles, and you just let him be himself, he could figure out how to be himself. God, it would be hilarious. What if you could do stand-up like in your podcast where you're talking, you're telling jokes, and everyone's connected to your, your headset so you could hear people laugh? Oh, they would also start yelling shit out you. <laughs> and then you, you shut down. As soon as they yell, you, you, you have a heckle button. Boom, they're gone. Yeah, but you would have to find them. Like, How would you find them and pick them out? I mean, how many people are on the line at the same time? You know, yeah. if you don't have a show, like a They'd have show to have a like theater. a voice uh, recognizer. Yeah, if you do a show in a theater with a thousand people, it can actually be kind of intimate. If you say anything other than laughing, you got to record all your laughs, and only those <laughs> sounds can come out. Any other sounds, you get cut off. You're like, what if you go? Ah! I got yeah, you got to do as many, because then you get cut off, and you find out why you got cut yeah, off, and then you, you get want, that laugh in there. You go, you I want need that one. People to be able to express themselves. You want people to be able. To express if there themselves. wasn't a if there wasn't hecklers, if people respected you, how cool would that be? Where you could hear. Well, like, it might be like three or four people listening to you. It's like, totally if you have a possible. It's totally possible. It's like a Conference call, really? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> like a giant conference call. But the problem would be like, what like I was saying, like you can have a show with a thousand people in the audience, and it's kind of intimate. It is kind of intimate. You can make it intimate. Yeah. But but you're all looking at each other, and that's what people. That's the way people are supposed to I talk. I think I'm describing a webcam show. <laughs> <laughs> they already got that. I'm an idiot. You can do webcam. You can do webcam. But that's webcam. texting. Those guys don't oh, get yeah. to talk. There's no sound. That's no. different. I made that up. Imagine if the girl was like listening to all those guys jerking off simultaneously. She's got 2,700 guys. And you just hear, instead of like an audience of cheering and laughing, you just hear 2,700 groans. Oh, you fucking bitch. Oh, yeah. Finger asshole. Just 2,700 dudes. All you could hear is them jacking off simultaneously. <laughs> I'm going to have to turn you down. <laughs> You're just be a little so, too wild. That would be so ridiculous. <laughs> That's coming, though. That's coming. Watch. We're supposed Stand to look up at from each your other. house, from your living room. Joey could just sit there and smoke. He's kind of doing that on Periscope without oh, yeah. the sound. Yeah. Without the sound. He gets those little hearts, though. Did you watch uh, the Acid show? podcast? No, I heard it was ridiculous. They wanted me to do Acid. I wouldn't do it. I'm Why like, would you do it? I didn't want to do it, man. I'm not... Uh, I'm not like attracted to that kind of um, experience. Acid? Nah, that doesn't sound good to me. What it does sounds, it sound like to you? Sounds like a horrible time. No, I've heard it's great. Like Duncan swears by it. Maybe yeah. you should talk to Duncan about it. I don't think I'm programmed for it. I don't. I don't. Have you tried it? Uh, when I was a kid, and it was like a synthetic mushroom feel. Mm. I'd rather have the real mushrooms. I'm down with mushrooms, but not. A synthetic form of what's in mushrooms. That's what I think it is. I think mm. LSD and acid is a, uh, a synthetic form of mushrooms, right? Am I well, guessing? They're wrong? all similar. They're similar. Like a lot of the tryptamines, they they share like a, like like psilocybin is really close to DMT. The mm. way it synthesizes in the body, it's like super close. Like I'm gonna butcher this, but it's like N N uh, dimethyltryptamine and uh, I think what is the psilocybin version of it? Four fox four aloxy and and dimethyltryptamine, something like that. Like it's real close. It's like they're they're kissing cousins. They're all those the really powerful tryptamines. 
they're all like neighbors of each other. It's very strange. And yeah. they're all the closest to human neurochemistry. One of the most fucked up things about the really powerful psychedelic drugs is the strongest ones, like mushrooms and like uh, DMT. The DMT is the strongest. It, it's like a, an actual human neurotransmitter. I mean, it's not even, it's not even like an addition. It's not even an addition to it. It's actually produced in your own body. That's the weirdest thing ever about drugs, that the strongest one we know of, your, your own body makes. Like the fact that that's a un, that we, most people don't know that the fact that most people know that Kanye West is married to Kim Kardashian most people don't know that your brain produces the most powerful psychedelic drug that science has ever observed that's a nutty thing man what that is a weird weird aspect of who we are as as human beings what kind of a strange waking up infantile civilization we are in the middle of like the greatest era of technological innovation ever yeah. <laughs> wi-fi the ability to download songs instantly on phones like we were talking about the periscoping and fucking just in, insane ability to connect with each other at this day and age we still have illegal marijuana illegal psychedelic drugs mm -hmm. illegal the drug like bill gates or uh steve jobs said that lsd was what led him to create apple he said it was like one of the most important moments of his life was having an LSD trip. There's so many problems in this, in this world, so many different levels, coming from all different angles, from all different forms of life. There's so much shit. Everyone's trying to fight this. They're trying to fight that. They're into this. They're into that. Everyone's got their own cause. But if we all got together and do what we did with weed and, and, and the legislation and all that stuff, we did that with just one thing. One thing, we just focus all our power, it would fix everything. If we made it a law that every politician has to do ayahuasca, if we did that, <laughs> that'll fix all the problems. It would fix a lot. It would, and that even a, if that's too much one work, law. even that's too much work, have them have one DMT trip a month while they're in office. Yeah. Just to keep Everybody them. has to have a, a ceremony. You get together and you meet with the elves and they tell you whether or not you're fucking up. Yeah. One and, law. That's all. Forget about all this other shit and we're scattering. Just one thing. Make them do mushrooms or DMT. That's part of being a politician. Just to make sure that the, the odds are that you'll have compassion for the people and not uh, let your greed take yeah. over. And be interviewed while you're under, too. Yeah. You have to have proof. You have yeah. to have a witness. And that's to them, be videotaped. Put them under, then talk to them about life. Yeah, and have a shaman. bring Fly in all these guys <laughs> from Peru. You know what I mean? Could you imagine <laughs> if you did that to Dick Cheney? Dude, like dudes from Chile. Are, like They're going to fake like they're Peruvian. There's going to be all these fake Peruvian. You know, big money. Big money. Now, dude, now that's I a big to, racket. I hate to break it to you, but those leopard claws that dude has for earrings, them shits are plastic. That's fake. Homeboy's fake. What leprechaun? I'm saying. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's conspiracy theory. Dude's yeah. got a plastic They're shipping in Mexicans. <laughs> it's just cheaper if we just fucking Mexican, Peruvian. Uh, they're oh, the same. Oh, senor, ayahuasca is very strong. But you can't, yeah, you gotta, you know, they gotta kind of look The Peruvian. ayahuasca in my country uh, is the best. <laughs> you start bringing Brazilians in, right? <laughs> Everybody <laughs> pelt down. No, but you know what? Everybody gonna get their cup. Bro. We're gonna put their cup. Oh, just like oh, that. Nice. Nice. Everybody. Nice. You're gonna see Gua. My gotch. My gotch is good. <laughs> yeah. Everything I do uh, is for uh, ayahuasca. I fight for ayahuasca. I live for ayahuasca. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> that would change the you world, though. It sounds like a joke, get, but that would. One law. Can you imagine if you could get like, Dick Cheney and get him fucked up on mushrooms and talk to him about life? That would be worth so much money. How much, like, all these, like, capitalist dudes... You want to make some real money, Donald Trump? This is what you do. You eat five grams of mushrooms on a webcam. 
if Donald Trump was trying to raise money for his campaign, and and that's what he said. That was his his big, that was his big gimmick. He's going to take five grams of mushrooms on a webcam and just talk to Skype with people from all over the world and answer their questions about what he's going to do to fix the world. <laughs> his hair would light on fire. <laughs> Spontaneous combustion. He'd probably shave his head halfway into the conversation. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do this anymore. He'd probably be like, yang. He'd be oh, like, dude, hell yeah. cotton candy on my head. I can't yeah. fucking hang with this anymore. Yeah. But I think that if you could do something like that, just and make it something that would be culturally acceptable. Like, it sounds ridiculous now. Oh, we're going to send the fucking presidential candidates down to the jungle and make them do some drugs. Like, it sounds ridiculous, right? But if there was a culturally... It's only ridiculous because you have to leave the country, which doesn't make any sense. If you do DMT, right, one of the things that you, you feel is that you're not even there. You've entered into some completely different dimension, some alternative coexisting universe is what it feels like you step into it doesn't matter if you do that in peru or in japan or on the moon it doesn't matter it doesn't matter like where you're going is has nothing to do with where you are yeah. it really has nothing to do with it mm -hmm. it's only because it's illegal that people are forced to go to these indigenous cultures and do it there if it was legal you could have a shamanic retreat center in america Mm -hmm. And people could go to a shamanic retreat center and it could be treated just as respected as going to, you know, whatever, a, a psychiatrist or just as respected as going to a, a, a fucking a cancer doctor or an oncologist or anybody well, just getting your out. body checked out. One of the only there's one of the only countries on the planet where ayahuasca is praised and uh, legal is the same country where they take a month off from work and party straight. Where's that? Where's that? Brazil. They take a month off. Dude, Carnival. They just party for a month. It's totally legal in Brazil? Oh, 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 oh. It's totally legal. Hmm. The UN try to impose some shit, and they're like, dude, fuck you. You're not taking away our ayahuasca. Damn, maybe we should move to Brazil. Dude, think about that. Dude. Do you, do you, how long do you think it take us to learn Portuguese? Oh, 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 do you think oh, I could do stand-up oh, 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 if I learned Portuguese? Are you stand-up in Brazil? So, like, I, have you ever thought about end-of-the-world scenarios? Have you ever thought about, like, if Yellowstone yes. blows up, where yes. are you going to move? Yes. I'm moving to Brazil. Either Brazil or Australia. Those are the spots. Australia would be way easier. Everybody speaks English. I just got to get used to the wrong side of the road or convince them to drive on the correct side of the road, which would probably be better. Tenth planet. <laughs> That's how Americans think. I, if I go to Australia, I'm going to tell them, listen, faggots, you stop driving the left, <laughs> driving the right like a fucking normal. We invented the car, okay? Tenth planet Florinopolis. Yeah, That's there you go. That's going to happen. Why not? But do you think... Is it is it possible that you could see like the shit hitting the fan and move into another country? Have you ever considered that? Yes. Where have you considered moving to? <sighs> Australia's nice. Very when nice. When you live in like Melbourne's like Santa Monica. I'm going there tomorrow you know? for the first time. Yeah. It's My nice. first time in Melbourne. Sydney's really nice. I love Sydney. Sydney is awesome. That feels People like you're in the cool. United States. They yeah. are cool as fuck there. Yeah. They're it's real friendly. Very fun, westernized. Very westernized. Like you could totally fit right in there like if you yeah. had to live in sydney oh. or that's the only place i've been but i'd be like yeah that's just like yeah. living in a nice city in totally. america where people have a cool accent totally. that would be it yeah. you know did you go with me to australia ever did you ever do yes. one of the ufc's out there yes. that's right remember we took over that bar and got blasted yes oh my Damn. god dude you went nuts he bought the dude. whole bar drinks and oh my god dude we spent that thousands so of dollars <laughs> we, went, we went crazy <laughs> We just decided, it was me and Tommy Segura and Eddie, we had a whole day off. So we went to see uh, that Leonardo DiCaprio movie where they trick you 
where he he pretends that you know it's all a dream. Ooh, Inception. Was, yeah, whatever. The, no, no, no. It was the other one. Shutter Island. Yeah, the island one. Oh, Remember, we were both yeah. mad. Oh, we're, all yeah. three of us were mad. We we're like, yeah. what the fuck? You can't just do that. Oh, yeah. is this a dream? Psych. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just so stupid. Fuck your dream. And so, no dreams were that perfect. It was like one of the only times ever in my life that we just made a decision to get drunk. Like, let's go get drunk. Like, let's go to a bar. Let's find a bar and get fucked up. And we're like, yeah, let's do it. We just all decided to go get fucked up. Like, there was nothing else to do. There was, uh, you know, I didn't have a show until the next day. So we went to this bar and just went off. He just bought everybody drinks. Everybody. Just kept buying shots. We bought hundreds of shots. I don't even know how much money I spent. It was insane. <laughs> we, we literally were just buying people drinks and, and high-fiving people and hugging people. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was nuts. Yeah. It was nuts. We stayed there for hours. We were wrecked. Yeah. That was about as drunk as I've ever gotten as a grown man. And then uh, went back to the hotel room. I think I threw up. I don't remember. And then the next day we had a show. I think that was Joe Stevenson, George Sauteropoulos. Was it? Yeah. What yeah. was the main event? I, that I don't know. I do not know. God, there's so many fights now. It's crazy. It's yeah, crazy how many fights there are. Shit. It's impossible. Oh, Did you man. see Vitor just take out Dan Henderson mm -hmm, again? Mm -hmm. Damn. Head kick. Damn. Who would ever thought? Who would ever thought? You know, at one point there was only one Brazilian that could box, and it was Vitor. Yeah. But Murillo could box too, and uh, I think yeah, uh, Henzo could box a little bit. He had good, you know. Vitor's he, kicks, though, they have changed his <clears throat> whole game because Vitor's always had hand. You know, Vitor's had like seven hand operations. Yeah, he's yeah. broken his hands like seven times. So, what do you think about him being off TRT? What do you think about that? Well, the reality is. Okay. He's if not, he's not off it. If here's my, my if he really needed it so bad that he said he needed it before and uh it was a medical issue, his body was low on testosterone and he had to take it. And then he took it and it was just destroying everybody. Like look like a world beater. Like goddamn, remember when Vitor was you gotta think that he was probably fighting with low test for a long time. Like the Matt Lindlin days and a couple of the, maybe even Sakuraba fight. Like low what? Low test. Low testosterone. You think so? Maybe. Remember, remember well, what he, he looked got off like of uh, when he was 19 yes. against Randy Couture? But, okay, that's true. But do you ever see what he looked like when he fought Rich Franklin? He knocked out Rich Franklin, but go to Rich Franklin versus Vitor Belfort. He's not as big? No. No. He's smooth, dude. He doesn't look shredded at all. And he's still bombing on Rich Franklin. He still had the skills and everything that he had, but it's, I think it might have been one of the reasons why he fades so quickly. Mm. One of the reasons why he, it's hard for him to sustain like a hard pace without the TRT. And I think that a fight like the Dan Henderson fight points to the fact that he's still super dangerous. He's got nasty skills and really fast as fuck, but he didn't do anything. Look at him there. Yeah. That's with him against Rich Franklin. Look at his body. I mean, he's like real smooth. I mean, he doesn't look like a pipsqueak. He still looks like an athlete for sure, but it doesn't look like Vitor in the TRT days. Not even fucking This is close. after TRT. This is at, no, this is before TRT. See, he lot, he fought like this, and then he fought uh, Anderson, and then and all the way. By the way, this is all after he tested positive for steroids the first time he fought um, in uh, Pride in uh, Vegas. He tested positive for steroids when he fought. I think it was Dan Henderson. He lost that fight, but he tested positive for something. Some metabolism. That was the UFC? No, that was Pride. They don't test? They did when they were in Vegas. Well, they had the one show in the United States. They oh, tested. Shit. And that's the one show where Nick Diaz got popped for fighting Gomi, remember? Mm -hmm. He got popped for weed. Okay. And Vitor got popped for steroids. Ah. So 
when the side effect of using steroids, and this is one of the reasons why uh, a lot of people are against testosterone replacement therapy for fighters, is that when you use steroids, your body stops producing testosterone on its own. So you can get tested. The steroids have since left your body, but your body's not, the endocrine system hasn't recovered yet. So you go to the doctor and you go, hey man, I got really low testosterone. And the doctor's like, we well, certainly do. This is proof positive. We have it here in the blood. They do a blood test. They get the results. And they put the results against the commission and they say, hey, um, this guy needs test. And so they give him a testosterone uh, use exemption, a TUE. And that was what all these fighters were getting. But the complaints from the people that were clean or, you know, wanted everybody to be clean, you know, allegedly were clean, I should say, was that the only reason why these guys have low test in their early 30s, like, you know, some of these guys, like, they had a guy that was 25 that was on testosterone replacement. And, like, the only, and he looked like a tank. The only way a guy would need this at that age is if he abused his system if he took testosterone and fucked up his endocrine system. So that was like the big argument against the testosterone use exemption. So if you look at him right there, now pull up Vitor Belfort versus Luke Rockhold. And this is a totally different animal. I mean, this doesn't even, this is like two years later, right? And he doesn't look remotely like the same guy. I mean, he looks like a goddamn, this was at the weigh-ins, by the way. The weigh-ins, go up where he's throwing that wheel kick right there, bam. Look at the fucking difference in his build. Dude, I mean, what the fuck? This is the same weight class, okay? But he looks like he's, fuck, at least 10 pounds of muscle bigger. Yeah, completely he looks huge, shredded. Though. Look at that. 10 pounds of what muscle. What fight was that? Luke Rockhold? Yep, that's after yeah. he smashed Luke Rockhold. And so he was on TRT here? Yes, he was jacked. Damn. Well, I think Vitor looks on good. TRT oh, fucking looks fantastic. I think Vitor on TRT is one of the scariest fighters the MMA world has ever seen. It's crazy and that I he's still fighting and, and at that level. And it's at the crazy. highest level. He's the only guy left. Nope. Yeah. Him and, and Josh Barnett. He, yep. I, I would have loved to have seen Vitor like this, TRT Vitor versus Weidman, TRT Vitor versus Anderson Silva. I would have loved to see it. I understand that it's not fair, and I wouldn't expect Weidman to take that fight if he knew that Vitor was on TRT. I wouldn't expect it, but goddamn, I would have loved to have seen it. And no way Luke Rockhold is on uh, TRT. No way, right? Well, Impossible. you can never say no way because guys have tested positive that looked absolutely like shit. You never know because they look like shit and the testosterone makes them look a little bit better or the whatever they're taking makes them look a little bit better. Whose arm is bigger? Look at his arm and then look at Vitor. Well, Rook Rockhold, first of all, is taller. So if he's going to weigh the same amount, he's going to have less muscle. There's just no way around it. It'll be longer. Damn, and look he at gets Vitor's a lot of arm leverage. right there. Holy shit. Oh, my God. Like, he's so jacked. Looks like Mark Kerr. But Luke Rockhold is a fucking savage. I mean, that dude's a stud. He's one of the toughest guys in the sport. And real smart, real technical, but TRT Vitor ran him over. TRT Vitor wheel kicked him in the fucking head and beat him down. And he beat down Dan Henderson like that. He knocked out Michael Bisping with a head kick and fucked his eye up permanently. Michael Bisping's eye is permanently disfigured because of Vitor kicking him in the head. This is like he's one of the scariest guys in the history of the sport when he was on TRT. It was like a four fight run where he was just fucking smashing people. And the Dan Anderson fight was one of the most devastating because it wasn't just the kick. He had uncorked a fucking left uppercut before that kick, hurt him real bad, and then head kicked him and knocked him out. He was a fucking terrifying when he was on TRT. So he's more tentative now. He didn't do a single thing for the first two minutes in this fight. He literally didn't throw a punch or a kick. He just circled for two minutes 
And then, you know, Dan threw a couple inside leg kicks. There was a couple, like, little whiffs, you know, no, nothing really connected. And then Vitor just uncorks that head kick. So the question is, when you look at Vitor now, he definitely looks better in this fight than he did in the Weidman fight. He looked more built, but he still didn't look like he looked when he was on TRT. So even if he – look at that shot down where he's punching Dan Henderson in the head. Look at that. Jesus fucking Christ. Look at the build on him, dude. He looks like a lion. Look at his neck. Like, look at the fucking traps on this guy when he's throwing this punch. And he's connecting perfectly on Dan Henderson's jaw on that shot. That is a classic picture. He was a monster, dude. But the question is, like, what is he doing now? How is he, if he needed testosterone replacement before, like, how is he, how is his body recovered like this? Like, what is he, is it? Has he figured out some nutritional way to get around it? Or is he figuring out some undetectable way to use? No one knows. You know, We're not going to know unless he gets caught. Based on what his body looked like in his last fight against Dan Henderson, would you, do you think his body looks like he's not on it? Or on He definitely it? Lo- doesn't look like... Tim Kennedy said it was best. He said, it doesn't look like Vitor is using as many steroids. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Kennedy's hilarious. He said he wanted to fight the slow. I'm interested in a fight, he said, with the slower, fatter yeah, Vitor. Yeah, meanwhile, it looks like he does steroids, too. You well, know, Tim he's, Kennedy? A, he's a tank. That dude yeah, is I know. I'm not tank. saying he does, but yeah, fuck, he's maybe. yoked. He's yoked. Damn. He's 5'10". He walks around at 220 pounds. I'm solid. not saying he does steroids, but I'm saying if it yeah. got out, I wouldn't be like, oh, my God. I know, right? Well, you know. Who the fuck knows? Who knows who's doing it and who's not doing it? It's w- I'm a fan of his, though, by the way. Tim Kennedy? I, I was a, that was a compliment. That you know what I mean? That was a compliment. <laughs> I think, um, you know, I just did it. Did that, you know. Why don't I say, I don't I just you gotta say like. You got to fix that, bro. I think like. Um, like can you, can you uh, control your, what we see? Or do, is he controlling? We it? can do it if we set it up. I can connect I to Apple that's, TV. I think that's the future for you, man. If you can yeah. just, because you're really good at looking through shit. Yeah, but it's distracting. It's better to have Jamie do it because I like to engage with the yes, person I'm talking I to. I don't want to look down right, and, and right. type shit in. Yeah. I do that occasionally, but I think it's best if we figure out a rhythm. Oh, uh, right, yeah. I get it. I get Figured it. Figured out how to do this shit. But um, so Ronda's fighting in uh, Australia in front of 70,000 people this weekend. That's for sure? 70? Yeah. Well, they had sold, like, as of a couple weeks ago, there were already, like, 50,000 tickets sold. <laughs> Remember those people who thought Ron- like, women's MMA would never make it? How about Dana? There was so many people. Dana didn't think so. Yeah. It has to be someone like her, though. What's interesting is, like, uh, Joanna, the strawweight champion, She's, like, scarier than Ronda. When yeah. she beats people up, she smashes their face in. Yeah, you know, for me, and I think a big part of the reason there are those people that, that thought uh, women's MMA would never make it, and they're still holding on to that. They think that Ronda's just a freak, and after her, it's over. There's so, still some people. But the reason was, I, everyone kind of thought that at first, too, because in the beginning, back in, like, 99, 2000, the girls that were doing MMA had no skill. They had nothing. They were... So it looked like, man, girls really can't fight. They, I even doubted it. But that one time in Vegas where we went, I forget what show it was. It was tough enough. It was tough enough. And there were some girls going, I'm like, mm-hmm. holy shit. We had so much fun. <laughs> I, right there, that's when I became yeah. pro female MMA. That's when I thought, did. like, wow, girl, uh, yeah. people like watching girls pull their hair and, and scratch each other. We like watching that. We'll watch that in a second. Big, you know. We watched it on World Star Hip Hop all the time. Uh, we went there to see Nick the Goat Thompson fight. Remember? 
He was the main event. That's right. Yeah. Nick Thompson. That's he's right. Interesting, too. I forget who that girl Super was. Super smart guy. He was like a law student. Put the chick had legit jujitsu. That's the first time I saw legit uh, uh, jujitsu in a women's MMA fight. I don't know. It was like 2000, yeah. 98, 90. And then, uh, and then what Jeff Osborne did, you know, he's, he's the original Invicta. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hook and shoot. Yeah. 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 Well, so, Osborne put on Eve Edwards versus... Uh, Aaron um, Riley, Aaron Riley, Ooh, in like ninety yeah. fucking six or some shit, yeah. right? When was that fight? I don't remember the year, but it was it like ninety nine, maybe during the, the same era of uh, Mecca and uh, mm -hmm. remember the Valley Tudo. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Uh, IVC. Yeah. Remember those days? Fuck yeah, the Pedro. <laughs> remember the Pedro? That's that's, that's like. Uh, you know, talking about those days, it's like in, in metal, that's the equivalent to the German thrash scene. It's just like that. Remember that Mecca and IVC? Yeah. Do you Most people don't dude? know what that is. Do you remember that dude, the Pedro? Yeah. Do you remember when Gary Goodrich reached yeah. down in his pants and yeah. grabbed his dick? Yeah. I made, Gary, I made Gary Goodrich reached down and crushed his guy's balls in with his, his hands. With his feet. With his feet. In, in his hands, too, though, right? He did it with his feet. Only with his feet? I tell you, I tell you what, Eddie Bravo. <laughs> I turned his nuts into peanut butter. <laughs> That's so fucked up. <laughs> That's what he said, word for word. Well, guys can get their nuts See if you can find that. The Pedro versus Gary, Gary Goodridge nut shot. Yeah. The oh. Pedro versus oh Gary God. Goodridge uh, nut smash. Yeah. <laughs> Testicle crunch. He loved it. You were allowed to do that back in the day. You Remember were allowed Keith to Hackney? grab the ropes. Remember you Keith Hackney versus Joson? Had Joson in side control. Joson held onto the head, the headlock. It was before the Von Flew choke was invented. He was punching his balls. And he just <laughs> wailing on his balls. Wailing on his balls. That's the new era. Eventually, it's going to be MMA where balls are legal. God damn. When the balls are in play, the game changes. <laughs> we had that, we yeah. had that sketch that we were was trying real to do for the man show. Extreme sack fighting. That's the next <laughs> and level. And Bobby Lee was going to be the champ because he had the littlest balls. Dude, you make, <laughs> yeah, you make, you make M, uh, uh, ball shots legal in MMA. It changes no everything. Yeah. Yep. You don't keep your hands up. You keep your hands low. Okay, what's going on here? What do you say? Found see, a knee to the, to the... No, he like grabbed his balls. I didn't see that. Extreme sack fight. He might have not remembered it right, honestly. I kind of remember him doing it with his hands. No, he does it with his feet. It's with his feet. This is Gary Gidrich in Pride. That's in Pride. It's definitely not it. It's not in the that Pedro. either. That's that's Pedro Hizzo. It's it's actually the Pedro. That's why I typed in up he here. He typed in the Pedro. Yeah, you know, it might be one of those ones where nobody has it. Yeah, here we go. Gary Goodrich. Go down to the Pedro, the fourth one down. Click on that. Let's see if this is it. This is the this Pedro. Is this is it. But this is him, but that's not Gary Goodrich he's fighting. That's somebody else. Oh, there's a highlight reel of the yeah. Pedro. And you know what? He's not going to show that. He might. He might just say, look at this. Man, I want to know about that guy. I want to know about the Pedro. That yeah. guy was a, he was like. like he's a pioneer. Yeah, man. He, yeah. <laughs> look at how these old school nets, they used to put nets around the ring. People they don't know fight about the in Pedro. Ring. Well, they used to fight in rings. Like, people don't know that. Chuck Liddell fought uh, fucking Pele. Pele, J Jose Landy, Jose Pele, Landy Johns, who was at the time the baddest motherfucker from Shootbox. Pele was a beast, man. When he was young, he was devastating. He was like the leader of the Shootbox crew, and he was one of the best. And um, Chuck Liddell fought him no rules with fucking bare knuckles. That's a yeah. wild ass fight. All you uh, UFC fanatics that are under thirty. I mean, you got to know your history. You got to go back and study 
Uh, it's like to us, it's like studying the 30s and yeah. the 40s. You know what I mean? We got to go back, look at the 60s. You got to look at that old school stuff, yeah, son. That's you got to understand shit. how the masters did it. IVC. And what was the other one called? Remember when Marco uh, Federico, Federico Lependa. He was the first Dana oh, White. Yeah, that's right. What was his his organization called? It was either IVC or Mecca. And they was still two have dudes. jungle fight. There was two dudes. It was Fabrico Lapenda, and then there was another guy. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. that's some serious. That was late nineties MMA bare knuckle. How about when Marco Huas fought Oleg Taktarov in a hotel in Brazil? They had like a chandelier above the ring. They fought in a ring. I don't remember that bare one. Bare knuckle. Damn. Yeah, I had I had it on VHS. It's the most ridiculous scenario. They're like like in a conference real? room. Yeah, was it real? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They fought bare knuckle. It was like a slow, methodical. Find, um, find that uh, Marco Huas R U A S versus Oleg Taktarov. They fought in Brazil. It's in a ring, and they have this like ridiculous like chandelier above the ca- uh, above the ring. You're like yeah. looking at this chandelier. What the fuck is this? What Where is are you? Second name, Marco Huas. Oleg Taktarov. He was one of the original fighters in the UFC, the first ever that I had ever heard of Sambo before. I'd never even heard of it before. Yeah. This guy was throwing up these leg locks. Yeah. And it's hilarious when you look at it like, we thought Oleg Taktarov was a leg lock master. You compare him to someone like Eddie Cummings, and you look at like how the leg lock game has changed yeah. in 20 years. Yeah. This has radically changed. Yeah. To the point, like, people have figured out all these crazy new ways to control and enter and we used yeah. to think that Oleg Taktarov was the shit. Yeah, yeah. He was remember, a tough prick. Remember when Henzo upkicked him and knocked him out? Yeah. He just went back yeah, starts. That was World Combat Championships, right? The WCC or something like that? That was the yeah. same one where Tom <clears throat> Erickson fought Marillo Bustamante for like 90 minutes. Oh, shit. Remember that? right. Yeah. Tom Erickson was like 300 pounds. He was yeah. a beast, 280. dude. 280. He was giant. Tom Erickson was the first... Uh, Male, uh, not male, but heavyweight, um, unbeatable force. Tom Someone Erickson back, came though. along. He came along. Heath, uh, Heath Herring did. Heath Herring took his back. In, in pride. That's he got right. tired. Tom got tired. Yeah, this is it. Like, look at where they are. They're in a fucking, there is like some angles you get to see. Like, I guess actually with that thing above their head, there's this crazy like, it's hard Dude, to see I it from this angle. All Look at about this. this fight. Look at this fight. This is crazy. Oli Taktarov just landed some good shots. Bare knuckle. Above and how long does them, this one go for? Oh, it was a long-ass fight. This looks like 30 minutes, it says. Um, but they um, they fought in like a conference hall, man. This is after they had both left the UFC. It looks like a place where you have two yeah, see, fights. Look at that. Look at yeah. the ceiling. Look yeah. at that fucking chandelier. What is that? That's, That's cool. Nuts. It's bizarre. Oh, look at it. Oli throwing down. Oli just tagged him. I mean, like, we thought, like, Marco Huas at the time was, like, a, a world-class striker, you know? It's interesting. Back he was, then he was. He well, he was, was really good for MMA. He was really good at a bunch of different things. But if you compared him back then to a guy like Andy Hoog, who was fighting K-1 at the same time, who was a real world-class striker, or a guy like Jerome LeBanner, or, or, or you know, Peter Ertz. It's a big fucking difference. Marco Huas first guy to use leg kicks successfully mm-hmm. in the UFC. Paul Varlins chopped first down guy. the fucking Another the classic bear. Another you, one. You youngsters, yeah. watch Paul Varlins and Marco Huas, man. Paul Varlins was the first pigeon-toed giant American male to fight in the UFC, too. Giant. It's been a couple of those. Remember the. Yeah, remember his, uh, his style? 
I don't remember what trap he had. fighting. Is that what they called it? <laughs> oh my god, he's a master of trap. A fighting. lot of those guys had some crazy. Eve Edwards takes the cake though. Thug Jitsu. Yeah. Thug Jitsu master. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's still his uh, his Twitter handle, which is funny now because he's an analyst for Fox, and his Twitter handle is Thug Jitsu. <laughs> He might have to change his shit. He's a really good analyst, man. He was on like uh, UFC Inside or whatever the fuck it is, whatever they call it. Yeah, he was on after the fights, analyzing the fights, breaking down the fights this past weekend, the Vitor. And I didn't know he was still on the roster. Yeah, well, he's doing an analyst work now. So he's not fighting. No, he's retired. He's retired from fighting. But his his analysis was really fucking good, man. Wow. He uh, he the Anthony Burchak Thomas Almeida fight. He was excellent in that. Excellent. Hmm. Yeah, he's very good. What did he dude. commentated it? No. After the fight, he broke down what what happened. Oh, you know, he broke okay. down, and then they'll talk about like what guys have to do in order to win the fight and what what their best strategies are. He's very smooth, man. Very good. Very. I mean, you know, Eve's fought like we said back in the hook and shoot days when he fought Aaron Riley, which was like the '90s. He's been around for so long. I mean, he's he's got so much information in his head, and even though he lost some of his fights towards the end, he hasn't. He hasn't like suffered in the, to the point where he's hard to hear communicate. You know, he's very smooth, very good communicator. So he's smart about when he got out. He was like, you know what, I just step back now. And so he's like still got all his faculties. He's excellent as a as a analyst. Those are the best analysts. Like Dominic Cruz, he's one of my favorites too. Yeah, he's super smooth yeah. and you know, and also Dominic is just really hard to hit. Man, he's he's not a guy that gets hit a lot. He's like. A big part of what he does is like avoid damage. He's very smart like that. Like you very rarely see that guy in like a crazy slugfest, mm-hmm. you know. So because of that, I bet he'll have uh, a long career in being an analyst after he's done fighting too. Mm-hmm. It's amazing that there's so many f- football analysts after all the head trauma they go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's. I it's... think they just pump those dudes filled with Adderall and steroids, and <laughs> wind up their ass and just push them out there. Get. Is there, so, is there something that you can take out there that's on the black market that just makes your brain healthier? There you go. <laughs> yeah, for real. For real. Mushrooms is supposedly psilocybin is one of the few things that's supposed to be able to regenerate uh, neurons. Whether or not that's true, oh, I, I don't know. I thought you were joking. No, I read that. Amber I Lyons? read stuff like that. I read stuff like that, and then I close my laptop because I don't even want to know the details. I'm like just going to just start repeating this. <laughs> yeah. You know? I don't know if it's true. When was the last time you talked to Amber Lyons? <sighs> Emailed her really recently. She's gone on some wild trip all around the world. Is she still psychedelic drugs? Oh, she's still, doing everything, man. Yeah. She's everything. What do you got? What do you got? She's doing it. She's trying out shit in all these indigenous cultures, traveling all over the world, writing Dude, the about it. The first time she was on your podcast, yeah, she didn't. She was all business. It was all that reporting CNN mm-hmm. shit. Had nothing yeah. to do. And during that podcast, you started talking about mushrooms, and you were going off, and you you uh, broke it all down, and she said. Sitting there, and she was in a real bad spot in her yeah. life. Like her life was falling apart at that point, and she just decided, "Fuck it, I'm going to Peru or wherever she went yeah. to South America." By she herself, just, by herself, one sock. Yeah, she didn't take shit. She just went. She comes back, and that's she's like a crusader for weird, huh? Psilocybin, crazy shit. Son. It's insane. <laughs> Sometimes you find the right people. We got one minute. Jesus Christ, Eddie Bravo, it's over. Jesus um, well, let's do another one before EBI, uh, the next EBI, which is December 15th. Is that Se- right? Sunday, December 13th. 13th. December downtown 13th. LA. You could order it on pay-per-view uh, oh, at budovideos.com slash EBI. Um, and so that will be the weekend after the UFC. 
Yeah, right after oh, Conor McGregor. Perfect. Right, it's the next day. Perfect. Downtown, bitches. Show starts at 5 o'clock. You can get your tickets at Ticketmaster. Uh, it's a 16 man submission only tournament. This is the deepest, darkest bracket ever. Danny Procopo's returning oh. champion. Uh, Nathan Orchard. Hani Yaya, gold oh. medalist at Abu Dhabi. Rafael Domingos. Kim Terra. Oh. Javi Vasquez. Oh. Ruben Alvarez, Leglock ma Master from the Southeast. This is seriously, uh, every show gets harder and harder to win winner take all twenty thousand dollars possible the winner gets has to win four matches he gets paid uh five thousand for each match he wins in regulation okay, we gonna, but what's the uh website real quick because we're out of time um eddie bravo invitational.com that's it eddie bravo on twitter we'll see you fuckers i'll see you when i get back from australia holla thank you sir